And welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Edrick. Hi, I'm Ian Boothby. I'm going to go open the uh, drapes. Okay. Well, I'm glad we I'm glad we established this before we started the show. Yeah, there we go. Hey, did I tell you? Ding dong. Did I tell you that I didn't uh, set the? Uh... I wish you had a million dollars. Hot dog. <laughs> Ding dong. Um, did I tell? I didn't get to tell you last week that I, I went on a trip. Oh, okay. I went on a little. I went on a little vacay, a two All day. Right. A two-day getaway. Spin my wife me and a I, yarn about it. My wife and I decided to go to a place here in British Columbia. Okay. This is a local trip. Right. That, but but we, yeah. did have, we did have to take a ferry to get there. We went to the uh, Sunshine Coast, so-called because it rains there. Oh, so it's you know anywhere that named has, ironically. Yeah. You know anywhere that has a name like Sunshine Valley, Sunshine Coast, that that's where the rain is. Right. And we're in British Columbia, which isn't at all like England or Columbia. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, except for the cocaine. Oh yeah, yeah. incredible we do a lot amounts of, 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 of uh, British cocaine. <laughs> the highest quality. You got to put it in snuff boxes, <laughs> and you got to say "tally ho" when most, you uh, take it up your snoot. It's very refined. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Uh, so yeah, we went to the Sunshine Coast, which, like I say, you have to take a ferry to get there. Not a super long ferry ride, like forty minutes maybe. Oh, that's fine. Nothing. Yeah, that's Nothing not enough time to go get a cup of chowder. We did get some food because we got on at noon. Okay, so we got it. We had some lunch. By the time we had our lunch and sat down, it was like, get off. I was like, why did we even eat lunch? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense if you're going to, like, Victoria. That's the perfect amount of time for, like, get on, rush like everyone else, like crazy. Get in in line. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. (laughs) Get in that line and then get your uh, whatever fish and chips, your chowder, whatever you're going to get. Yeah. And then uh, sit a while and go, eh, got some time to kill. Do video games still exist? Not really. No, no, okay, no, well, pinball machine there. Right, get out the old phone. And there you go. Yeah. All right. So it was only forty minutes though. So Bing yeah. Bang Boom. Yeah. Bing Bang Boom. Off onto sun, onto the Sunshine Coast. Went to a little town called Gibson's. Okay, which is famous. For, famous for the Beachcombers. Right. Christmas film film there, and they which do have ran a, twenty-one years. I think. Is that right? I think so. It was either nineteen or twenty-one. I think I probably watched about three years of that show. Okay. And I didn't watch anymore. That's that's as much as you're legally forced to watch in Canada. That's your <laughs> yeah. turn. That's your service as a Canadian to watch that amount. There's a lot of stuff I miss that people talk about, like Constable, Constable, and things. I just never saw those. Episodes. Right. So the premise behind the show was it was a Greek man named Nicodonidas and uh, his friend Jesse Jim. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, who's uh, First Nations, and yep. they collect logs. Yes, they stray logs that have come free of their the floats that they would float down. From the from the for, like from the right, they're cutting. They're from the, escaping the logs. They are logs that are seeking their freedom, <laughs> and the they round camps. them up. That's yeah. right. Yes, they're sentient logs. We decided it's time to make a break for it, and so yeah, so they could collect those logs and then sell them because they don't belong to anyone. Yeah, they salvage. They salvage these, and so they and they can sell them on to the lumber mills. But there is an older fella who, and I'm not going to look up how old he is because I'm sure he's ten years younger than we are now. <laughs> Because that's the way this shit goes down, right? He's 35. That's the way it's going to be, right? Like, you're going to look it up, and he will be 35. (laughs) And and his name is Old Relic. 
And so, uh, you know, yeah, just relic. Late, I only knew him as Relic. Later but... episodes, he was called Relic, but originally it was called Old Relic. Is that right? And he would sometimes, like, take his speedboat and he would, like, splash people. And, yeah, and, like, yeah. He was the greatest villain of all time in Gibson's because he would sort of go, meh, and yeah. then do that. He was a crabby guy and he would... And he he'd would... murder people, too. Sorry, I didn't mention that. He would also... He, was he a, did not murder people. He was a spree killer. He, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. That's different because he was enjoying it. It's more of a hobby. Yeah. It wasn't really his job. It was more of on a spree, right? And then they would go to uh, yeah. they would go to Molly's Reach, and that was a little cafe. That little was cafe there. that apparently did not exist, but now exists as right. a as a place you can go and eat. But here's the thing that we learned on this trip that's very valuable, and I'm going to pass it on to everyone out there for free. This is gratis, gratis, no cost to you. Advice: Don't go to our summer resort in March. Okay, just simple, simple statement. I don't want to imply that everything was closed when we were there. Oh. That there were no restaurants open. Ooh. That there was nothing to do. Uh, that it's pretty much a summer resort community that has absolutely nothing of interest in it. <laughs> Unless your interests are right. beaches, right. boating, mm -hmm. and something else that starts with a B. Okay. Beach balls. Beach balls. Pardon me for a little bit of a thing. Um, what, last time I was there, I I, I was uh, kissing somebody that I was going out with who lived. There. Okay, well that's me. So do that's that, something you can do too. You could so, do that. You can go there and you can um, you can kiss them. All right, and uh, and uh, they will let you stay over uh, if you'd like. That's nice. That's pretty good. They also have in television. <laughs> You're dating yourself again. No, this was. You're making a, yourself as old as no. Relic. It was a, no, no. It was a very old this system, and I was like trying to uh, when the kissing was done. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's was, true. When when in television came out, you weren't kissing girls. No. So uh, so so then uh, she said, uh, "Oh, we've got in television. If you want to play in television," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Yeah. And so, did then, you ever play it before? No, not really. And okay. it was weird because it's like a pad. It's yeah. like it's not like a controller. It's no, a no. pad. And it had it had different uh, plastic overlays that you would yeah. put in for the different. It was a sports. Yeah, George video Clinton game. sold me hard on it when I was a kid. But <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it the was, paper tiger himself. It was nearly impossible to to, to play, uh. but it was fine because I was there for the kissing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. That was nice. <laughs> My, I, we had Atari, my friend had in television, mm -hmm. which I have to admit, in terms of sports, was the step up on the Atari. Sure. The Atari had the sort of more fun arcade games sort of things like Do Asteroids. you want to play baseball? Sure. It's uh, four cubes. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the... That's Atari. That's the the batter? <laughs> yeah. So do you run to one of the other cubes? Is that a base or is, did his head yeah. come off? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is, that, is he hopping? What is he doing? Yeah, this is... Oh, everything was bad, but in television would look pretty good. Okay, in terms of sports, but like I say, it didn't have much in the way of fun, kind of more arcade games like Asteroids and I think I ended up Missile playing Command chess or something on it because mm -hmm. I was like, that's sure. fine. I kind of get this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since the Intel in the Intellivision, you're also told when you play the Intellivision game, and I heard this from other people too, like uh, back in the day, mm. was uh, don't push too hard. But like you know, because it's really fragile these uh, <laughs> these Intellivision controllers. Yeah, I think it was Mattel. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Intellivisions in used game stores. Okay. You see a lot of Nintendos but yeah. and Super Nintendos. But, like, you know, in television, no. Because I think you would just, like, crack it. <laughs> like, you'd just, like, eventually I'm get sure frustrated and just, like, smash. I'm sure there's some around, but I, yeah, you know, I think it was not, it's sort of pre, it's before, I mean, it's before they were good. No, it was a smart, it was a good name. Yeah. It was like, hey, smarty pants. <laughs> It's the Intellivision, yeah. not like dumb Atari. But also, over weirdly, there, they where sold you just it. Just have fun. 
they <laughs> they sold it for, as a sports thing though. So and part, which is weird. It's like inte- you know you yeah, know yeah. you know what sports are. They're yeah. about intelligence. <laughs> okay, sports intelligence. Doesn't it feel like yeah yeah like Activision? Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, Activision was not a. Uh, machine, uh, but it was you know a brand of games. But it feels like Activision would be like the ge- the game machine for sports. Activision, but no, they don't have that. Yeah, yeah. And then you went Coleco and just went okay. Coleco had Donkey Kong, and so they, they win. That they win. You got Donkey Kong. The end. It looks like Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah. Whereas all the other systems did not look like the thing that you were thing, but mm-hmm. ColecoVision looked like the thing. Yeah. So yeah, you win. It was good. The end. We had ColecoVision too. Yeah. We've we had two systems in our lives. Atari, then ColecoVision. Right. Uh, after that, all bets were off. My brother bought uh, whatever you would get, play hockey on. You'd ever EA hockey, whatever. Okay. PlayStation, whatever. Like for us, the idea of getting a ColecoVision was just, well, no. <laughs> it costs infinity money, and no, we're not okay. going to get that. Of course not. Why would we? It would take up the TV. Yeah. And then dad couldn't watch football. <laughs> right? Because yeah, the yeah. TV would be us, yeah. like, uh, on, the, on the thing for forever, and like it wouldn't work. The only time we got a video game system was when we bought a computer, and the computer used a TV, but they bought a separate TV for that. And so that was in the corner. And so, yeah, you could play video games because it wasn't interrupting television. Yeah. So yeah. you're fine. But if it took up the TV, forget <laughs> it. That's crazy. <laughs> We had a we had a smaller TV upstairs. Okay. All right. Now back to uh, you're in Gibson's. You're uh, in starving. Gibson's. You you, so you didn't. Seashelled. Yeah, you didn't go to Molly's Reach because it was closed. It was closed. It was open uh, Thursday to Friday or Thursday. Sorry, Thursday to Sunday. Okay. We you were can, there. We were there Monday, you Tuesday. You can get an okay burger there. That's I'm good. sure. Yeah. I'm sure it'd be just okayish. Yeah. But we, did, uh, we weren't planning. Don't get the onions. Yeah. Because you might be kissing later. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. Well, I'd be kissing my wife, and you know, at this point, we're used to each other. All right. Not, we're not trying. I'm not trying to impress her. Okay. And I can brush my teeth before we. Oh, that's nice. Get down to the business. Classy. I know. And you're an Intellivision man. I can tell. I have <laughs> all the way. Atari Fooey. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we we you know walked around Gibson's a little bit. It's not very big. No. Nope. Not very big at all. It's just a, like a little main street. Right, and when I say little, I mean little. You could you could do a with Conan, the marina. You could do a Conan O'Brien and try to look up Jesse Jim. That's what Conan O'Brien did once. Okay, when he was like in college, uh, they watched an episode of uh, Beachcombers. Him yeah. and a friend of his, yeah. I forget who it was. It could have been Greg. It could have been. Oh, uh, it could have been someone famous. I'm not sure, but but I'm not going to say that because you know whatever. But yeah, I yeah. do know this was true, where he went. Oh yeah, we got to go meet uh, uh, Jesse. Who okay. is not the real the the actor's name is Pat John. Yeah, yeah. So um so like we gotta meet him. Well where's he live? He lives here. And so wherever they were, yeah, I don't know, fancy land, Harvard town, <laughs> uh yeah. they went we gotta fly there. So they flew to Gibson's and he was in the phone book and they went and they knocked on his door and uh said, We just wanted to meet you. And he went, Oh, well it's nice to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. And they went back home. <laughs> so Conan O'Brien yeah. tracked down Pat John. Pat John, a.k.a. Because he watched an episode of uh, The Beachcombers, and it was just stunned by this show of, like, they just collect logs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's his, like, friend? Yeah. Uh, we got to go there. <laughs> I wonder if it's still a thing. I mean, it must be a thing. I mean, to, I guess there's... To go and see Pat John? I guess, no. I guess there's not as many, lo- like, log floats going down the... Going down from the... Because there's not as much lumber happening. Like, right. timber. The timber industry is kind of diminished. Like, and it looked like Nick... 
Sorry, in the Beachcomber show, we're never yeah. gonna, we're never going to get to your uh, trip. Um, <laughs> it looked like he made like he wasn't a rich man. No, no, he looked like he could play Tevia he in, in a you know production of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, but but he <laughs> yeah. did not look like a rich man. But he always had a meal. He seemed fine. He sure. she saw his home. He had a house. Yeah, apparently yeah. he can get a house uh, collecting logs that have yeah, rolled yeah. away. But in Gibson's, okay, I don't know. I still house. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was like. A cheap place. To, that's why. That's why it started. What's a, how much would a house be in a cheap place back then? I don't know because it was mostly like cabins. Okay, that's where people had cabins. And you, so what is? And so it's still that. It's still like a cabins place, right? Lovely. You go there on the weekend and you do stuff. All right. So um, okay. yeah. So we ten thousand dollar house. Five thousand. I don't know. I don't. Nah, probably more than that. Okay. I think ten's a good guess in the seventies. Okay, so I ten thousand dollar house. Yeah, yeah. It's All a, right. So loose logs. Mm-hmm. Sink ships. Um, <laughs> it's true. They yeah, do. Yeah, they would. So, That's one reason so you get loose logs. Yeah. How many logs do you have to get to get 10,000 bucks? 10,000 logs? No, I think you get more than a dollar a log. Okay, how much? Oh, I don't know. A thousand? I'm just guessing. 10 bucks a log? 10 bucks a log seems a bit That seems pretty good. Does it? Okay. When I used to go to a, so- when I used to go to a Soyuz with my family, a friend I made there, well, he, he made friends with me. I was, I was very standoffish, but mm. he, he insisted. Because he was more an Atari type. <laughs> I was an Atari type too. Yeah, he was more of yeah. I was I was by he was console. More an Atari, uh, you you were by? I was by binary console, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I wasn't. I, I was nothing. binary console curious back then. But I didn't really know <laughs> what want, I wanted. Yeah, yeah. They seemed too expensive. As long as there was kissing, I mm-hmm. was fine. Yeah, uh, fine with me too. So uh, yeah, his dad was a log marker. So what he would do is he would go around and, in his boat. And he would grade the logs in the log jams, or not log jams, in the log floats. Like in, I have, they have a name for them, but I can't remember. Sure. It is. And so he would go in, and he would like within his boat, and he would go along, and he would mark the logs and grade them for quality. And I guess that would—I I have no idea what that was for, but but his boat, which was a company boat, because this was in the '70s when you got a company car and a company boat. Apparently, he would take that boat up to the lake mm-hmm. and take the kids water skiing. In this, mm. in this company boat that's supposed to be using the Fraser ah, for log marking. Okay. Which is probably not good now. I'm now thinking about it. Environmentally, it's probably not good to have your boat in the river than take it into a lake. That's how milfoil gets spread around. Very good. And the, another such uh, invasive species. Here's the amazing thing to me. So the show is exactly what we described. You might be thinking, you guys are making that up. Yeah. No, this was the show. Yeah. The show was two fellas mm-hmm. uh, trying to collect logs. Yeah. And there's an older fella who's yeah. in his 30s. Uh, who is um, stymieing them? Yes, uh, yeah. sometimes his job was to get in their way, and so he'd like Rawr. take take a log, yeah, instead, yeah. and uh, sometimes they'd eat at Molly's Reach, mm-hmm. and there were some kids around uh, occasionally. Uh, there was another. There's a there was a young girl who is part who's also part of the gang. I think right. I think she was Molly's granddaughter or some okay, such, yeah. and yeah, yeah, she was she was there. Yeah. Margaret, I want to say. Anyway, um, so she was there. Lisa she, told me because she she watched the show more. Sure, than Sure, sure, sure. She grew up with three channels. She couldn't. She had no and choice. It wasn't like she had big romantic interests or anything. She Lisa? Was just, no, 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 no. She's had a romantic interest. Was you? She, it was, yeah, it was a kissing. Um, but like, uh, I'm talking Margaret yeah. on the show, which again, I'm probably getting wrong. But that's the premise. They collect logs. Yeah. The one guy tries to take the sure, logs sure. occasionally. Yeah. And not even that's not even illegal. But there'd be other things that would happen. There'd, okay, be, but, but, there'd be visitors to the town mm-hmm. who would be bringing trouble with them sure. or, need, or needed help. Okay, or, you know. But again, let me just say this: yeah, twenty years worth of stories. Yeah. When the premise is, yeah, 
I want I want that log, mm. and either you get the log, yeah, or the other guy tries to get the log. But that's why later on they added like Jackson Davies to the cast as kind of a bumbling cop. As a bumbling cop. But what does the cop do? Who was name what's was he, Cost- What's Cost- he doing? Like, does he go and go like, "Hey, stop trying to get their log"? Oh, is it against the law? No. <laughs> well, then fuck off. You got to fuck off, constable. It's against the log. His the biggest joke with him was yeah. his name was Constable, so he was Constable Constable. constable yeah. And they tried to do a spinoff of of that, and everyone went. No. Yeah. What are you talking about? This is a Silly. terrible idea for a show. Silly. Uh, because by that point, we were awake. And the, and the show has <laughs> come back, I think, twice with the new Beachcombers. Uh-huh. And who was the new who was the new Molly played by a man? Oh, Molly was played by a man? Well, yeah. It was a guy who was running Molly's Reach. Who oh. was a bit of a, bit of a scoundrel. I bit see. Bit of a scoundrel. But famous Canadian comic actor. Really? Yes. Famous. Well, uh, who was? I will say this. Yeah. Part of one of the greatest Canadian shows of all time. Internationally. In fact, a show that influenced Conan O'Brien. Now that we're bringing that up, I'll throw that out there for you for an extra clue. Who is the actor I'm talking about? One of Conan O'Brien's favorite shows uh, was, uh, you know, instrumental in developing his comedy, uh, you know, uh, senses he has said. Really? Yeah. And it was Canadian? Oh, sure was. We are so proud of this fucking show. God damn, you love this show. Not, this show is great. Not Air Farce. No. What the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> Air Farce? Look, I'm friends. I'm friends with but, a member of Air Farce, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna so go hard that can't on be Air kids Farce. in the hall. No, it's not kids. Because that's hall. that's that's the same time as no, him. It's not kids in the hall. No, it's before kids in the hall. But it's famous. Like you're, you're yes, it's incredibly famous. Yes, really. Yes, and it's you Canadian. Loved it. You loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Huge influence on Conan O'Brien. Really? Yep. Canadian show. Sure was. Are we talking SCTV? Yes. Oh, okay. So who was the who? One of the cast members? Yes. Was a... Not Joe Flaherty. I know you're going to go for Joe Flaherty. It's not. You know, it's not Rick Moranis because he was taking care of the kids. Yeah, yeah. Who was the Molly? Who was on Molly? <laughs> was it a was it a longtime cast member? Yes. Eugene Levy? No. Oh no, it would be Dave Thomas. Yes. Dave, Dave Thomas, Thomas was the new Molly. I forgot about Dave Thomas. Yeah. Sorry, Dave, Dave Thomas, Thomas and uh, and uh, John, uh, Jackson Davies, who was Constable Constable, sure. were instrumental in the pushing of the new uh, the new Beachcombers. I see. And how did it go? Eh. Uh, here's the thing. When I was, uh, we're going to say here's here's the thing a lot. Uh, uh, when I I had a TV show on the CBC for a brief period of time. Yeah. Um, when I went in to pitch the show, yes, the first thing the person said to me was. Okay, look. <laughs> okay. We don't want any more beachcombers pitches. Okay. I know I know everyone in the world thinks they've got the take. Mm. You don't. We don't <laughs> want it. So they get paid they get they get pitched the new beachcombers a lot. Well a I, lot. It's a pretty famous export as well. Like it's famous around the world. Right. And of course my pitch on it is mm-hmm. in space. Ah. Okay, I like it. Yeah, salvage. I like like you got uh, you got some space trash. Yeah, yeah. That you got to pick up, and then you go over yeah. to the thing, and you do. The yeah, thing. but in this one, relic's a robot. Could be. Doesn't. Ma- yeah, he's a relic. He's made of. He's he's made of uh, a, a, a ship, so he actually is a relic. <laughs> relic is salvage. <laughs> yeah. Himself. Yeah. Right, and then you make it really international, and uh, sure, sure. Yeah, but that's amazing. Like twenty years worth of stories. Oh yeah, it's amazing. But I bet you that like um, some of our Australian listeners. Let me just say, yeah. Good day. That's how we say it. <laughs> That's how we you say it. You say it however you like. You say it but let you us want. say to you. Yes. 
pleasant day. Pleasant day. I'm going to go put some shrimp on the barbecue. Right. Now, I know, yeah. you know, the thing that uh, Australians love about that is mm-hmm. they don't call those yeah. shrimp. Oh, is that right? Yeah. No, they don't say shrimp. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't even do heard know it. What, do you know what... Uh, the prawns, I imagine. That's it. Because shrimp would just fall through the uh, grate. Absolutely. You put a shrimp on the barbie, <laughs> what you've done is you've put fuel on the fire. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, Paul Hogan yeah, yeah. was putting a prawn yeah. on the barbie. Yeah. But, like, I put shrimp on the barbie. Yeah. It's like, no, no, it no. Sounds a little better, I guess. Yeah. It's and, scanned better for the commercial. Yeah, it's like, first, the, the two things are shrimp on the barbie. No, it's a prawn. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Foster's is Australian for beer. Yeah. Uh, go die, is what an Australian <laughs> would say about that. No, of course you wouldn't. They do not care for that beer. Yeah. No, sir. So, uh, I was going to say, a couple of our Australian listeners, some of our Australian listeners are fans of Delgrassi High. Degrassi, yeah. Degrassi, sorry. Degrassi High. Yeah. And Del Monte Canfield. <laughs> Del Monte Canfield. And El Monte Stadium in uh, Los Angeles. That's right. And, but I think you could talk to Australians of a of an older generation, ones who perhaps partook of Intellivision. Okay. Who uh, would have been fans of Beachcombers. Because that was it a... the Inti. That's what they called it. Oh, Inti. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, when they weren't playing the Inti, they'd be watching Beachcombers, or Beachies, as they called it. Well, by the way, sorry, uh, 19 seasons for the Beachcombers. Didn't make oh, it to 20. Oh, you liar. That's why, why it's, never been in, it's never been in syndication. Ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. <laughs> I think it... I think uh, Bruno Drusi got a little too long in the tooth for it. Well, uh, yeah, I understand. I, I, let me also say this. Mm. I, here's something I feel absolutely terrible about. I mm-hmm. feel very bad about okay. this. Okay. All right. So uh, when you walked into the CBC, you didn't apologize there, to Gibson's? there was a bunch of, uh, there was a big uh, mural uh, on the wall. And one of the things was uh, Bruno Gerussi. He was very popular when you go to the Vancouver yes. CBC. Yeah. yeah. So I'm doing uh, an episode of our show, which was called The 11th Hour. Yes. And uh, and they put some mutton chops on me. And I jokingly say, I got I got the Bruno Gerussis on me. And uh, the makeup person goes, Yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't have the mutton chops, like okay. they were just put on him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they had his mutton chops, and and, and I was like, oh, these are Bruno Gerussi's mutton chops, yeah, yes. from the Beachcombers. I'm wearing Bruno Gerussi's mutton chops on my face, yeah, and but they didn't match my hair, so they colored them in, and I was like, no, oh. you can't. They're sacred. Oh, no. oh this, you know, Indiana Jones. They belong in a museum. <laughs> Well, it's, I guess it's too late now. Oh, my. The Canadian Broadcasting Museum has lost gosh, its. But, but please continue continue on. What were we talking about? So I went to, uh, we so we walked around town. Yes. That was all nice. Fine. We expected to stay there a bit longer. There was, you know, we saw everything there was to see. Mm-hmm. Everything was closed. We left. We drove out of there. Okay. Hit the road. But we saw, while we were there, we saw a Greek restaurant that looked pretty good. So oh, we thought. Well, we'll keep that in mind. Was it called Adonidas's? It was called Adonidas's near Molly's Reach. That's right. Okay. And so we then drove to Seashelt, which is a city near Gibson's. Okay. Which is also on the Sunshine Coast. All right. And so we went there, but we passed our um, we passed our our uh, no no actually I shouldn't say that we went to our hotel first. Okay. We thought, well, let's go to the hotel then. Let's let's uh. Go wash the taste of this disappointment sandwich out of her mouth. <laughs> and we went to the hotel. And the hotel, I don't want to be mean to this hotel. All right. But this hotel kind of looked like it had Frank Wally or Whaley working behind the, the front desk. Mm-hmm. Where we, we, we are older than Relic was when he started the show. Okay, continue now. <laughs> Good to know. Old Relic? Old Relic. 50 years old. <laughs> Whoa. Well, you know, that's a different 50 in those days. Sure was. 
Please continue. 50 was different then. Don't you know 50 is the new 40? Uh, don't you know never look this up? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the hotel, it kind of looked like a place maybe where we were sleeping. People were going to sneak into a room to kill us. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know? So a motel hell. Vacancy. Okay. Was what, I, what I was going with. But All right. I feel like motel hell, that's fine. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. All right. Anyway, um, so, but actually, despite outward appearances... And I had a great location. Like, if you were there in the summertime and paid what we paid, which you wouldn't because we were paying off-season rates, but it was, like, right across the street from a beach. Like, mm. you just had to cross the road, and you were at the beach. Nice. It was really nice. And the, our room was great. It was fantastic. Our, the bed was really nice. Kind of big. Kind of a big bed. Because okay. I, I sleep on the edge of the bed. Right. Like, that's where I you'll sleep. You'll pay for the whole bed, but you'll... I have to pay for the, the whole edge. bed. That's what you, that, but, that was, you know, that, yeah. Because that I, we talked about this before. Lisa and I sleep in a double bed. We sleep in a double bed. Okay. And so sleeping in a king-size bed is, just feels like, what's going on? Right. There's like, problems in the marriage. There's, we there's could put another bed in our bed. Yeah. We can have, yeah. So Lisa sleeps on her side of the bed. Yeah. And then I sleep right on the edge, because that's just where I like to sleep. Like, sleep right on the edge of the bed. And so she kept complaining, like, you're too, you're too far away. Like, what's going on? I can't even reach you. So, yeah, I, just, I said, well, you can move oh. over here. And she's like, well, I like my side of the bed. And then when you looked in the middle of the bed, there was Relic. <laughs> we said, you're rather young. Yeah. And uh, so we checked that out. And then we went into, then we were thinking, like, well, I think Lisa's idea was that Gibson was, would be, like, this kind of hip, kind of funky place with some neat boutiques and some thrift shops and some used bookstores and things like that, yeah. you know. And there wasn't any used bookstores. What? At all. Not a one. Uh, there was a bookstore, uh-huh. which we went to on the assumption that it was a used bookstore, because when I put in used bookstores into Google, it sent me to there, that bookstore. So we went there. Okay. Not used. It was fine. It was a fine bookstore. But, you know, I like to, like, yeah. you know, look through old books. Old and books. See what yeah, that's fine. right. See what people are giving away that are crazy. And so that was a little bit of a disappointment. But then we decided we were going to drive up the whatever, up along the, the coastal road, whatever right. that is. May, may I tell you two things quickly about oh. Gibson's before oh, yeah, we yeah. go? Uh, one, mm-hmm. it won the uh, Most Livable Community in the World Award. When? Under 20,000 population in October 2009. That's a while ago. That's a while ago. A lot more buildings since then. Okay. Uh, also, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Uh, 2005, it won um, the uh, the international water tasting contest. Said it had the best water in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Not Abbotsford. I guess they didn't taste Abbotsford's water. I guess not. Which apparently, it's the best. According to people who live there. And uh, and uh, now you know, founded in 1886. Mm-hmm. There we are. And the population, uh, 2,021 people. No, wait. In 1886. No, I'm looking at like the date. (laughs) The the population is 4,758 people. 47,000 or 4,700? 4,700. Yep. Wow. Uh, Total population, 4,758. Yeah. Because it's a summer resort place. So it's booming in the summertime. Yep. That's where everyone's going to their cabin and stuff on the weekends and tootling around in their boats and whatnot. And then this, you know, the time we went there comes around, everyone shuts her down because this is no point right so yeah so we went for a little drive and then i learned some interesting things i would like to know interesting things please because i'm constantly confused about where places are in british columbia okay because i have this idea that there's places that are on the island are in the interior Ah. and then i find out they're on the island and then i go like oh they're on vancouver island right oh 
And so that was what this trip was like. I'm going up, going up there and we're going like, well, let's go to Half Moon Bay. I'm going, Half Moon Bay? I thought that was on the island. Oh, let's go to Pender Harbor. Pender Harbor? I thought that was on the island. That was my whole, the whole trip was me doing that. And so we had to go to Half Moon Bay. How was that? It has a general store. Okay. That's it. How general was it? I don't know. I didn't go inside. We, uh, we just used the parking lot to turn around and drive back around. Nice. Because uh, what do I need? What do I need for my general well, store? Well, at least you've got the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that was that was our whole day, the first day. We went back. That's to, one thing you got to know about Dave. He doesn't yeah. go for general items. <laughs> we went back to he the He goes motel. to the specific store or nothing. <laughs> we went back to the motel. Yeah. And got settled down again. Then we decided we we're going to go for dinner. So we we're looking for places to eat dinner. Okay. Turns out everywhere's closed because they're open either Thursday to Sunday or Friday to Sunday to catch the weekend traffic. But because we, a couple of dum-dums were there on Monday, that's not the weekend. So locals do not eat out. Yeah, I guess not. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's places for them, right. but I, I, th- I don't think enough eat out to make it ah. make it economical for a restaurant to open up for, for the night. Okay. So, but it said the Greek restaurant was open uh, seven days a week. So we're like, hallelujah. Nice. Let's drive back to Gibson. So we drove all the way back to Gibson. Oh, boy. And then it was closed. Oh, double. It's not open every, every day of the week. And so nothing was open in Gibson's. I think there was a Mexican yeah. restaurant. It might be the open. old, uh, you know, a variation on the Stephen Wright thing. So open seven days. Oh, that's great. Not in a row. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Seven days a month. What do you think? Yeah. So. Uh, so you knocked on uh, Jesse Jim's door. We went to see Pat, Pat John. John. Yeah, we went to see Pat John. I said, have you Listen. seen Conan O'Brien? <laughs> he said he was going to meet us here. You're late. <laughs> so then we went back to Seashelt. And we were like, we're not eating at the Rickies. We're not eating at Rickies, which is like... So yeah. It's kind of like the Canadian... It's what you do. It's Canadian Denny's, I think, basically. Yeah, it's like an Applebee's type thing. Or yeah. Whatever, yeah. So... No. In the morning, you can get a pancake. It's, it's fine. Not it's fine. I will. I will admit we had breakfast there the next morning. Sure, sure. Because you get a Denver omelet. Once you're again, be fine. Quite It'll be frankly, nice and dry. Quite frankly, there's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. You the can bacon eat. is adequate. Yeah, the omelets are dry. Sure. The toast is warm. Toast is warmish. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up eating at a pub, which had a nice view. Okay. It was right on the ocean. It was very nice, but it's pub. Yeah. It's like, I had a view of a Greek restaurant that was open. It, I'm like, what? <laughs> wait. It was old. Like, I wish we decided to just get pizza and bring it back to our motel. Yeah, that's how you do. Yeah, that's what I was going to recommend. Is yeah. like, there's some place that has pizza and you can either have it delivered or you can bring it back. Yeah. I say this as someone who has toured around a lot of British Yeah, I wish, I wish we'd done that. But it felt kind of like, I don't know. Anyway. And also order the salad. Get the salad with it. Get the salad with it. Get a salad. Mm. You're not going to want to, but get it. <laughs> You'll feel better later. So we went to uh, we went to this thing, and you know it's like a pub that's old enough that it's it still has a smoky smell to it. Sure does, yeah. That doesn't go away. <laughs> so you're just like either oh. that or either that or they were smoking just before you came in. And they went like, <laughs> oh, new people. Right. It's like, and then everyone's got to throw their smokes. All the away. locals got to got to got to pretend we don't smoke for the visitors. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, we came in and ordered, and uh, I ordered a pizza. Okay. I ordered a pizza. I thought that's easy. Fire, fire st- with pizza. They were out of pizzas. <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that mean? Like you have a certain amount of dough you make a day. I don't understand. Right. Oh, we're out of pizza. What? All right. What do they have? I had fish and chips instead. Oh well, it's 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 kind of a sea community. Sure, that'd be good. Eh. 
Was it not good? It was fine. It was right. pub food. I, well, but also it's pub by the sea. Yeah. So you think like but it's not like they have like guys with their hooks in the water. They just get it from every, they get it from everywhere the same place everyone else gets it. They get some some big truck pulls up in the morning and delivers all the food that they serve you. Yeah, that's too bad. So um, I would think like it would be one of those things yeah. that like you know you're doing the diners, drivers, and dive thing. You go in like you know this place is doing oh, well, fish be, and chips, yeah, right? Yeah, that'd be you fun know? to find it's a like, place like that. Know, they're right by the sea. Yeah. You know, people know, know what that would be great be like. to find a place like that. But, okay, but uh, we didn't. It really feels like that would be the kind of place you would find good fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, no. All right. This How about the chips? Fine. The chips, okay. Yeah, they're right. fine. Right out of a bag. Really? I think what, they were like a McCain? I'm pretty sure they're just like that, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Just, but deep fried, but yeah. Just nothing, okay. nothing special. This is fine. It was fine. And so we left there, went back to the hotel, settled down for the night. All right. And then Miles I say, apart. Miles apart. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me? So then, uh, but it was, like I said, it was a nice hotel room. Mm-hmm. Really great shower. I was really impressed with the shower. And then we, although Lisa... Lisa, we you know we haven't had a bathtub for quite a while now. Oh, and she loves having baths. Good living. Yeah, she loves nice. a bath. Yeah. She's a, a soaker. She loves to lay in a bathtub. Not a smoker. She's a soaker, not a smoker. Uh, they call her the midnight soaker. Some people call her Maurice. <laughs> so so, uh, so she she goes in the bathroom and all it was a shower. She's like, oh, mom, so disappointed. Oh, but it was a good shower. It was a nice shower. So yeah, we got. Cleaned up, settled down, blah, blah, blah. Next morning, got up, checked out, decided we're going to drive farther up the coast this time. We're going to go okay. We're gonna go see some places. You're going to go so far up that they have pizza. Hopefully. That's how far. That's how far we're going to go. So we drive up the island. We drive quite a ways up. Okay. And it was a fun road to drive. It was very windy. Very windy. You know, one lane road or two lanes, obviously. One, one, one direction, one or the other. But very windy and quite, quite fun to drive. And so we drove up. We drove past Half Moon Bay, which, Ooh. of course... I said, oh, I thought it was on the island. I went past Smuggler's Cove. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I'll tell you when the other... Remind me about Smuggler's Cove. Anyway, so we go past Smuggler's Cove. Put we a come... pin in it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Put a pin in it. And so then we we just kept driving. And then she's like, well, we have to go see Pender Harbor. I'm like, of course you do. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. So <laughs> we, we turn off. And we go into the most strangely, most elaborate route Every which way to get to this mm. Pender Harbor, which we never got to. No. We got above it, looking down on it. Yeah, it's but kind then, of a Brigadoon situation. But then she realized that it was just like a resort area. Like, it's like a cabin area. People had cabins there. And the other thing is, like, here's two things Lisa likes. I don't know if you knew this. She likes horses. Mm-hmm. And she likes places where you can keep horses. Those are two things she really likes. Okay. So, to her, like... just like the second thing would just lead to the first thing anyway. So, you could just, like, places you can keep a horse. No, no. But you have to like horses, there. too. Yeah, but once you've gone to the place where you can keep a horse, yeah, there'll be a horse. Yeah, yeah, but otherwise, it's not a place you can keep a horse. I'm just saying she likes horses, uh-huh. and she likes places you can keep horses. Yeah, I think you're doubling that. No, one. no, it's it not double. Just be one. It's not double at all. It's not double at all. Okay, it feels like you're saying uh, I like uh, uh, garages. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I like cars. It's yeah. like, well, in the garage is the car. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But you might like a garage for a different reason than you like a, than having a car in it. Possibly. But yeah. it feels weird that you would like a place that you can keep a horse. There's lots of people who own farms like, that do not have horses. Right. So. Then that's not a place you can keep a horse because they don't no, like horses. That's true. That is not a place you can keep a horse. <laughs> so, so driving around like a, an area with a lot of small properties with houses piled together. Yeah. So people can live close to the water. She's just like, 
who'd want to live here <laughs> the whole time <laughs> driving through this area? Which I'm sure all those people want to live there. That's Where why do you they... keep your horse? That's what you say. Yeah, that's what exactly. Hey. Like, hey, we're going to keep a horse around here. <laughs> Although we did pass a place that had horses that was right on the water. So right. that was kind of neat. But um, yeah, so that was that. And she kind of like, she said, you know what? Let's not go any farther. I don't want to go to Egmont, which is our plan was to drive up like as far as we could. Because then if you want to go to Powell River, you have to take another ferry, which I didn't know that. I'm going to interrupt you just to ask this really stupid question. Go ahead. So horses. Yes. I don't know how horses see. If they see like we see, like with their horse eyes or if they've got strange eyes that <laughs> see differently. But if like... Well, they're on the side of their head so because they're a prey animal. So. Okay. But if a horse was looking directly in front of it, it could see a thing. Not very well. Oh, that's too bad. Okay, here's my question. Okay. So if a horse yeah. is looking into a tank, like a fish tank. Okay. And inside the tank yeah. is a seahorse. Yes. Would that horse go, huh, think for a second, that's another horse because it looks like me. Or would the horse just like not understand <laughs> I don't it think all? it would understand it at all. And I don't think it would make that connection. It wouldn't like look at the horse's head and just yeah. be like, huh. It doesn't know what it Is that a horse that's very far away? Okay. Or is that a tiny me? Yeah. Or would it like connect in any way and just go, I should protect that baby horse that's drowning? Yeah. Or would it just be like, oh, its bottom's weird. It should die. It's good that it's drowning. <laughs> I just wonder what the horse's perspective on it would be. Like it feels like a horse would have an opinion. Yeah. Like if a horse saw a zebra, yeah. the horse would have an opinion on the zebra. Sure. It would just be like, like it, don't like it. Wouldn't be apathetic about it. Yeah. Don't care about the zebra. It would, it would care. Like if it saw, you know, another horse, it would care. So yeah, I just wonder if it saw a seahorse, what it would think. But a zebra's not a horse, so I don't. It wouldn't I care. Understand. About it. Yeah. But if, but if a, but if a horse, and and I'll, I'll also say this: mm. a seahorse isn't a horse. No, that's true. Yeah, there you go. So, so I think my comparison is uh, adequate in that they both <laughs> look like horses, yet okay. are not horses. No. So would the horse go? Huh. I don't think a seahorse looks like a horse very much, but its head is kind of horse-ish. Yeah. But like it's more so than, uh, you know, when they say the sailors get fooled by manatees. Yeah. Thinking they're mermaids. Sure. No, they don't. That's just a bad excuse for That's having sex with a manatee. That's a real bad excuse for having sex with a manatee. He walked <laughs> yeah. in, you see the guy having sex with a manatee. I'm just like, I was fooled. Well, what, how'd you get fooled? And he went, the bed's so big. It's like, I had no idea. We were sleeping far yeah, yeah. apart. Yeah. It was in the distance. I thought it was a mermaid. It turned out it rolled over a couple of times and it was a manatee. I'm like, okay, well, it is a king size bed. You're right. There's no two ways about it. Well, you need a king size bed for one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but I apologize. On with your story. Oh man, I set you up for that, but I guess okay. you didn't want to take it. Anyway, tell me about Smuggler's Cove later. Yes. <laughs> so, so we turned around. Okay. And we came back down, and then Lisa said we went past Smuggler's Cove, and Lisa's like, "Oh, we went past Smuggler's Cove." I said, "Okay, well, let's turn around." So we turned back around, and we went. We drove down to go to Smuggler's Cove because she wanted to go there, okay. and we got down. It was closed. Smuggler's Cove was closed. It was closed. Yeah. The whole cove. The whole public park was closed. Yes. So that was pretty much summed up our entire trip in one fantastic moment. Yes, they saw us coming. Because I'm just saying, yeah, if you show up and like the whole town goes wham, 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 right? And it's all all closed. And then you walk in, hi, uh, we'd like a pizza. We ain't got no pizza. (laughs) Like, you know, you got to at some point just go, it's it's us. Take a hint. Yeah, yeah. Take a hint and take it outside. Mm Mm-hmm. And then and then Lisa goes, uh, you you couldn't have a horse in here, huh? <laughs> like no, no, this is for people. Okay, can I get a horse pizza? 
No, there's no such thing as a horse pizza. There, there, there were Just some, pizza there were some, some horse places that we saw, but oh. not not in that area, not in Pen Harbor. Yeah, I guess she's she knows people who do horsey stuff there. Okay, I don't think she's ever taught around there though. But uh, so, what would you say the highlight of before. the trip was? Highlight of the trip, um, I don't know. All right, I mean, the highlight of the trip was Lisa and I getting away for a couple of days. Spending time together. Yeah, that was nice. It was nice for us to spend time. We don't really... It was the friends you made along the way. Even though we're married, we don't always get to spend a lot of time together. You know, like today, I probably won't see her today. Oh. Because I woke up this morning at 4.30, left the house at 5, then went to work at 5.30, and then came here. Yeah. And then we'll do the show for four, four, four and a half hours or so. And then... What's that? (laughs) Who knows? Terrifying. Terrifying. Terrifying thought. Yeah, it's been known to happen. And then yeah. and then we'll go out for dinner and have some something to eat. Right. And I'll head home and we'll then... ask we'll ask at the place, do you have pizza? And they'll go, Of course. <laughs> I'll be like, what's going on? Yeah. Huh? And they say to you, You know what pizza is, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, all the most basic ingredients is, that any isn't kitchen it really would rare? have. No, no, you do, no one has this dough lying around, right? No one yeah. has any flour in their kitchen. Maybe they run out of yeast. Maybe. Yeast. Then you have unleavened bread and it's still pizza. It's fine. <laughs> It's a crispy crust. You're fine. Sure. Yeah. Thin yeah. crust pizza. Mm. Pizza. Pretty, Honestly, pretty do not. you have bagels? Put a pizza pizza bagel. Like pizza just appears if you just say the word pizza. In uh, seashell. I'm going to say pizza three times. Pizza, pizza, pizza. There's th- there's pizzas <laughs> upstairs. And there are. We made pizza yesterday. There you go. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. And if, and if, if you don't want that, just go down the street and there's a, a Little Caesars. Mm. Boom. There's one... Cinema and Seashelt. Okay. Is playing dog. There's one cinema. Wait, wait. What, what's dog? Oh, you mean Power of the Dog? No, dog. What's with, dog? With uh, Ch- Channing Tatum. Oh, okay. And then there's one C- one theater in Gibson's, and they're playing uh, the Batman, which made more sense. Okay. But I guess you, if one's playing that, then the other one can't. This one's playing dog. This one's playing lamb. And then you like, go in just like, I'd like to see that movie. And they uh, go, movie? Lamb and then is you not go, a... And then you walk in, and yeah. you walk in, and it's just a lamb. Like there's oh. a lamb that's like just on yeah, stage, yeah. and sure. it's like, yeah, you want to see the lamb, right? <laughs> He's yeah. doing his doing his act. Yeah, do you want to see the dog? Yeah, yeah, go over and see the dog. Okay, do you yeah. want to see the power of the dog? Because that dog will lift some stuff. <laughs> and these are all the things we have here: movies, <laughs> fling lamb, and that's the only place that you can uh, get pizza is at that movie theater. Mm. Should have gone there. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of disappointing because if we'd been able to eat at the restaurant where we planned. Uh, we might have been able to go see the Batman just for the just for mm. the fun of it because Lisa hasn't seen it, so I thought not that she wants to. She probably spent the whole time like, "What's going on? <laughs> who's who's doing what?" I think she always approaches superhero movies as if she's been dropped into a, a story that's in progress, yeah, and no one has filled her in at all. That's how she feels about any of those movies. Just this, like plopped the, in. This is one of the nice things about uh, Moon Knight is uh, absolutely no one knows about Moon Knight. <laughs> You know, and it's well done. Oscar Isaac is doing a really nice job. Is it on yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and really nice uh, driving scene. I'll just okay. say the driving scene is like, that's really clever. Like, genuinely clever stuff. But, like, there's no fan that's going to tell you, yep, yeah, I know all about Moon Knight. Nope, 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 nope. You don't. You don't. No. At all. Nope. You I don't. don't at all. I probably of course most you of, don't. Most of what I know about no Moon Knight is from parodies of Cerebus. Yeah. That's probably more. I That's more of the Moon Knight I read than uh, right. actual. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, if you were to to say to someone, name name Moon Knight's uh, secret identity, 
And uh, they wouldn't. No. They couldn't. And if they could, you'd go, keep going. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I know what you're saying, but shut up. And then you get mad. But it had a fairly longish run or not? No. Not at all. It's one of those that, that keeps having a run. And oh. it's like, I got a take on this. And okay. it's like, do you now? And <laughs> But to be fair, for the most part, Doctor Strange was similar. And the Doctor Strange was this guy who like could never like maintain a book for very long. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was never really interesting. But he was always like on teams. He was in mm-hmm. the Defenders. He was always hanging around in the background. Or when a character needed some magic help, he they'd go up and show up at Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctum Sanctorum and uh, ask for some help. So, sure. but you know, no one could do a good Doctor Strange story. He's got too much power. So it's like. You know, oh, I got to solve a problem. I don't know. With what? Nonsense. I'll just make up some nonsense. And what's the problem? I don't know. More nonsense. Okay. Can this nonsense beat that nonsense? Yeah. Well, why can't Doctor Strange just fix it with like super nonsense? I don't know. It's uh, there's nothing. None of this makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, okay. Ugh. But then Moon Knight, mm, we're just starting fresh because we don't know who this guy is at all. Okay. Yeah. And it's on now. Yes. Okay. Right now. I haven't seen any of it. Yep, just started this uh, this week. I've been really uh, in a reading mood, so I've been watching a lot of TV. I've been reading a lot. Reading? Just say you don't even own a TV. I, I own a television. I like to watch it. Okay. Um, but right now I've been really into reading. Reading and sleeping. Those are my two things. And often at the same time. Sure. I'll look like I'm reading, but really it's just the books on my face because I fall asleep with it. You're reading that book really closely. I am. Or maybe I'm asleep. So what are you reading right now? It's a book that Mary gave me for my birthday because she loved it. And she said, so you have to read it, Dad. Called The Fifth Season, I think it's called. I don't, can't remember what it's called exactly. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a science, I guess it's sort of science fiction. It is a science fiction novel um, written by this lady about, I think it's our Earth, but in the far, far distant future. Okay. And we're now like just part of their past, just you know, the artifacts of that world sure, that we've sure. left, we've that have somehow survived did into that civilization. Did we blow it up, us maniacs? I don't know. Damn us, damn us all to hell. I don't know what we did. Okay. And, but in the in this future, it's far enough into the future that the continents have come back together. Oh, they did the, the Pangea effect. The Pangea has returned, yes. So, um, but they don't call it that. They have a, they call it the stillness, which is kind of an ironical name because it's a really high earthquake area. There's a lot of, a lot of seismic activity and, and, and things and so the story yeah, by the way, if you go to pizza hut and ask them to shove all the pizzas together yeah. that is the pangea pizza oh really yeah thank you so then so then um in the story there's like three characters there is a lady Rabbi. okay oh but in this future world there are people who have like a power to to control the earth or draw power from the earth Okay. And can con- somewhat control like how earthquakes were happening and things like that but also can Cause damage to people, so they're very oh, they're right. feared and hated. But they have become they're under the thumb. In this one section, they're under the thumb of this organization called called the Fulcrum, who keep track of them and and they have like guardians who will kill them and stuff like that. Oh, okay. And so like there's some interesting. So at first I was kind of like I don't know. It's it's kind of like reading like the Lord of the Rings or whatever, where like for the first fifty pages or whatever, you're just like this is so boring. Quit talking about a party. And then finally, when it starts in, in earnest, you're like, oh, okay, this is really good. This book's kind of the same. It like, seems to take forever to get started. And you're just like, ah, oh, so much description. And then when it gets going, you're like, oh, this is really, really gripping. So there's, so yeah, three main characters. One is like a, a woman who is secretly what they call an origin, these people who can control mm-hmm. earthquakes and whatnot. And her children have been born with this, with this 
um, ability, but they're feared. And and this woman's husband kills her son, kills their son because he sh- demonstrates these powers accidentally. Okay. And then he leaves their community with with her with her daughter. So she leaves the community in search of him. The other story is about uh, this woman who is a member of the part of this organization, the Fulcrum, and she's like an origin. But they're like they work for the government basically, and they go around and they solve problems sure. and stuff. So she's sent to this. She and this person who's much more powerful than her sort of, uh, and they have to have sex in order to produce more of themselves. Okay. And then those, but what happens to them is really terrible. But anyway, so they go to this city and then things happen to her there. It's very interesting. And then the third person is a little girl who shows her power, but fortunately is not killed by her community. But it, but they call what they're called the guardians. And they come and this guy, at first you think, oh, this guy's very kind and he's there to help her. But then on the ride to this fulcrum place, he breaks her hand. He break, intentionally? Intentionally breaks her hand. Like Ugh. takes her hand and breaks it. Oh, terrible. And when she doesn't react and kill him, yeah. he says that you've learned control. And then you realize, oh, it's just absolute abuse for these people. Like even though they're you know, they have these powers, they've been so you know, they've been so um, crushed by by the culture that they're they just become like well, they become like slaves to the culture in, in really an appealing way. So yeah, it's a really, uh, really good story, actually. I'm wow. really zipping through it. First, I, like I say, I had a bit of a grind to get going into it, but I, it's quite good. It's, I think she's the only writer who's ever run, won the Hugo Award for all three of her novels, because she's written three books in the series, and each one won the Hugo Award. Okay. So. Rec- recently? I guess they're pretty recent, yeah. Okay. It seems pretty Hugos recent. are a little dodgy. They're a dodgy award. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to take it away from her. She's okay. I, I might. She won. Okay, but good. Good. I'm glad you like the book. But <laughs> the Hugos have been uh, a little bit. Hmm. Uh, oh wow. Well, yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Um, because there was people who were um, uh, really intense people who mass voted for things. Oh, okay. And would uh, you know steer things towards certain things? Oh, okay. And there was, yeah. It was. It was not quite like. It wasn't quite Gamergate, but the guys were not a million miles for that, and okay. they didn't like how things were in the world, okay. and so they were aiming their votes towards things. So then you had other people who were like, well, we'll show you, and yeah. we'll vote for this group instead, and so yeah. they'd vote for this. And so people weren't really getting voted for because the books were good. They were getting voted for for political reasons. Oh, okay. And so it well, got these to books be a, are, These uh, books are good. It got to be a bit of a hot mess oh, for a while good. there. So maybe mm-hmm. that's settled. And they were called. There was. They were called something, and I forget what it was. The voters that would vote oh, okay. for, you know, always this type of thing, and the voters yeah. would vote for always this kind of thing. Well, I mean, this. Kind of, I mean, this woman does uh, what is very common in science fiction, which is to use your initials rather than your name. Not a Someone bad like idea. C.J. Yeah. Cherry and people like that who who hid their their uh, sex. Yeah. Because otherwise, people lose their shit. That's right. And that's why no one ever bothers J.K. Rowling. <laughs> she went, you know what? Yeah. I just want to write my books. Yeah. Not be political. Mm-hmm. Stay out of things. Stay out of Gonna things. Going to use the old initials. Yeah. Boom, boom. No problem. No heat on me. <laughs> Everything's fine. And you know what? It worked. Yeah, worked worked well for her. Yeah. Yeah. No one. It's like she says to S.E. Hinton, and then S.E. Hinton goes, don't don't bring me into this. <laughs> well, you know, S.E. Hinton. Stay away from me. Yes, me about S.E. Hinton you may not know. Okay. She likes horses and places where they keep them. <laughs> that actually sounds like a J.K. Rowling book. 
It does, doesn't it? <laughs> horses and the places that they keep them. And then that becomes a trilogy. Okay. And you're like, Way, how'd you get a trilogy long. out of this? <laughs> overly long. Yeah, did you know wizards shit on the floor? <laughs> what do you mean, like horses do? Yeah. Wait a minute. Are the horses wizards? Yeah. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Maybe there's horse wizards. Fine. I'll read your horse. No, I shouldn't. I'm not going to support this. You think? But horse wizards. Yeah. I, I would like to see the horse wizards book. Yeah. Is this one of the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to J.K. Rowling, J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, he just wrote all that stuff in unreadable things like Unfinished Tales and the Silmarillion and stuff like that. You know, he's kind of carried on, carried on editing his world, you know, yeah. in ways he's like, well, who cares? Right. What did uh, J.R.R. stand for? I do not know anymore. I went to could have told you that. I guess the first two are junior. Junior, junior, and then people go really, and the second, and the next R is really, yeah. Junior, really, Tolkien. Oh man, I used to know that. I can't, okay, I can't tell you now. George R. R. Martin, what was that? I have no idea. A. Milne. I don't know. E. Cummings. I don't know. Okay, I only know them by their name. O. U. Eight One Two. No, what's that? That was just a, an album. That was an album. I. P. Knightley. What was his first name? I. P. Freely. <laughs> um, yeah, A. E. Milne. That's funny. I don't. I don't actually know. And I read, I'm, you know what? I've read more than just Winnie the Pooh by A.A. A. Milne as well. Oh, what else was uh, by A.A. A. Milne? He wrote The Red House Mystery, which is, which is considered the first locked room mystery, I believe. Oh, nice one. Okay. And he also wrote a book whose name I can't remember, but was actually really, a really good book. I found it at Valley Village. It was like an old book. Yeah. And it was really good. What was the mystery that was, sorry to spoil this mystery, mm. uh, where the, the murderer turned out to be a bear? That wasn't A.A. Milne, was it? Because that would be ironic, considering poop. <laughs> what? But there was a, that was a famous mystery that was. Oh like, no, it's a gorilla. I think you're. Thinking oh, was it a gorilla? Of, the murder of the Rue Morgue. That's the what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a gorilla who, escapes from the from a right. And who and and who wrote that one? Uh, Poe, Edgar Allan Poe. Poe, okay. E. A. Poe. <laughs> <laughs> right. If it was Canadian, it would be a bear. You would up. You would have to change it to a bear. And then the bear comes in and murders someone, and then you're well, like, has sex with him. That's how Canadians like it. That is. We do like a good have sex with a bear. uh, That's right. Which, you know, again, and uh, then that's where Winnie the Pooh came from, which was a Canadian bear. As you know, Winnie the Pooh is a Canadian bear. It's not just crazy that someone wrote a story about having sex with a bear. It's that they spent like two years writing that story. And it won all the awards. I didn't didn't know that. It did. I think those awards were kind of like the Hugos. A lot of bear people were pushing them. Here's, look. (laughs) A lot of action. I, I don't want to be the fisherman opening up a can of worms here. Okay, because you can't put them back in. You, of course you can. This is the thing that bothers me. When people say things like, oh, you know, the genie's out of the, the bottle now. Yeah. Well, first of all, genies aren't in bottles unless they're, unless they're like, I dream of genie. And also like, so the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know how you get the genie back? What's that? Make your wishes and then the genie's back in the bottle. Oh. That's what genies do. They go back in the bottle themselves. That's not a problem. I don't think that's true. Oh, like you make three wishes and the genie fucks off? I think it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's more than that. I think the actual genie stories are like the genie is like a, a, a dangerous character who wants more than just wishes, but wishes to do damage. And okay. Freedom. And you can't just say, I wish you'd just go back into the lamp. <laughs> I guess I maybe. Like, could. it seems like that would be the thing sure. to do. And then that's sure. the end of it. Yeah. It feels like every, okay, all the Aladdin stories I've seen are genie comes out when yeah. you rub the lamp. Does and a lot then of dances and does a lot of improv. Yeah. That's all the genies I've seen. Yeah, that's right. And then occasionally it's in a musical. <laughs> yeah. 
What was the bear book called? It was called The Bear? I can't remember what it was called. I'm sorry. It was called, I think it was called The Bear. I do not remember that. Yeah, The Bear Quartet, Bear Film, Bear Play, Bear Necessities, <laughs> Novel. Yeah, I think it was just called The Bear. But it was like, yeah, Bear Novel. Canadian author uh, Marion Engel yeah. won the Governor General's uh, Library Award. Wow. Yeah. A lot of bear voters. But that's because of all the bears who work in libraries. Let's face it. Yeah. And frankly, the book is barely legal. <laughs> <laughs> no reaction <laughs> silence from the side of the room and in uh, 2014 the, mm-hmm. the the cover became an internet meme okay yeah uh with written underneath uh what the actual fuck canada <laughs> and it led to a modern reappraisal of the novel yeah yeah and, and what's the modern reappraisal uh, what the fuck? <laughs> it, 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 it got a place in uh, the CBC's 2014 list. Yeah. Books that make you proud to be Canadian. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the National Post mm. um, uh, called the book the best Canadian novel of all time. Wow. Yeah. And uh, on Q, Margaret Atwood is still mad about it. And critic uh, Aretha Van Herc in an interview on uh, Q, yeah. our, our radio show here, yeah. uh, called it a quintessential Canadian book. Yeah. So so there you go. So yeah, I was I remember it got some, some maybe good, I, maybe it's maybe I'm some good heat there. I should maybe give it a go. I'll have to take a look for it. Maybe Marion Ingle. Yep, there you go. I N G L E. Uh, E N G E L E L. Yeah, she would be a good uh, wordle uh, word to start <laughs> with. I would say. Huh. Yeah, it's the most con- also called the most controversial novel ever written in Canada. Which that can't be true. That can't be true. But maybe it is. But it can't be. But it might. Maybe it is. Yeah, I mean, the Handmaid's Tale. We're just like, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, but good for the governor. Oh, wait, yeah, that'd be weird, eh? For if you were like up for a governor general award that year, you're just like, okay, so it's us and the bear fucking book. You know what? <laughs> I think we got a shot. And there's like, and the winner is the bear fucking book. It's like, why do they even call it the bear fucking book? <laughs> so weird and then as she goes to get the award the the uh, aw root bear theme plays <laughs> yep that'd be good yeah i wish i was there for that accepting the award the actual winnie the pooh <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a that's pretty pretty amazing i mean we've i don't want to boast but canada's had some pretty great authors pretty particularly some really great women authors here yeah, alice monroe and Margaret Atwood, Margaret Lawrence, all Margarets. Everyone named Margaret is a great uh, writer in Canada. But uh, apparently that is the book that is, is what we'll be known for. Yeah, I was looking up the what were the books that made you proud to be Canadian, but you can't access that here. We'll not, uh, we'll not go to it anymore. That article is gone. Oh. That article was set ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> Bear fucking book. Get that article out of here. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I wonder... They could ever make that into a movie. Uh, the Revenant. Well, that didn't... Did, well, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, there wasn't much follow-up after that one scene. <laughs> you didn't have him, like, writing notes to the bear. Post-coital. Dear Grizzly. Smoking a cigarette. I hope this finds you well. The bear gently snoozing. That's right. How was hibernation? <laughs> I trust you were warm. <laughs> Yours in Christ. Yours in horse. Yours in horse. <laughs> the Revenant. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, am I the revenant? I'm not too sure. I'm not he is sure. The <laughs> Who well, he was is, the revenant? He is the revenant because he's supposed to be dead and he comes back. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I've been told <laughs> by a helpful beaver that I am the revenant. I'm also, I understand, I am a very handsome man. I was once considered the most handsome man in the world. I understand you, Bear, and I do forgive you. There was no choice. I was very handsome. I understand. <laughs> was he once called the most handsome man in the world? I would say Leonardo DiCaprio was generally considered probably the, 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 the best-looking actor, I would say. Hmm. Around the time of uh, Titanic, hmm. I would say, yeah. If you're just like, who's the handsomest actor? Yeah. Well, that'd be Leonardo DiCaprio, sir. Look at him. And they're like, you're right. Who else would it be? <laughs> This is before the, you know, we went like Paul Rudd is the handsomest and people went, mm, yeah, I, guess, uh, I mean, I like Paul Rudd, but what are we doing? What are we doing now? <laughs> I mean, come on. He's as old as Relic. Old Relic. Old Relic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, if you were redoing the Beachcombers and you got Paul Rudd to play old Relic, <laughs> if you were like, how old is he? Oh. He's 50. <laughs> Look at old Relic out there. Look at him. Look at him, he's barely hanging on and turned to dust any second. Look at him. Look how old old Relic is. Is Paul, is Paul Red 50? Yeah. Well, he's uh, just turned 50, yeah. Oh, wow. Hmm. Old Relic age. I thought he was older. Oh! No, I think he's I didn't mean he, I thought he looked older, I just thought he was older. No, I think he's just 50. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Never mind what I was thinking. Never mind. Why? What were you thinking? Well, I was just thinking about uh, Senseless. That was called, is it? No. Clueless? Clueless, sorry. <laughs> Senseless is the sense and sensibility one that she did. Clueless is the different one. Sorry, so Clueless, where he's like a teenager. Right, he's her stepbrother or something. He's a... Uh, Stepbrother, yeah. 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 And they fall in love, even though they're related. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they did on The Flash, so why not? They. I mean, it's not that far distance from... Fucking a bear. <laughs> no, I was going to say from what would have been what would have happened in like a book of that uh, of the time period it was originally based on, right? Like, which is yeah, what's it? It's based on Emma. Emma, right? yeah. Right. You know, so course, does she so. fall for her stepbrother? And no, but she's someone who's close to the family who's much older than her. Okay, like he knew her as a baby, so he's quite a bit older than her. Yeah, I think he's like twenty years older than yeah, her. That's weird. With sorry, maybe, let me just maybe say not that older, maybe thirteen. This still strikes me as weird. And even though it's fine, yeah. the Heath Ledger movie, 10 Things I Hate About You, which is oh. The Taming of the Shrew. Yes. And they made it sound like The Taming of the Shrew, and it's like 10 Things I Hate About You, The Taming of the Shrew. It okay. sounds like, it does. it's not it's even a parody clever. name, but it's, it's like, clever. it sounds, yeah, it's it's too clever. It's not too it? clever. It's, it's, it's not, absolutely no, clever no, enough. too clever. And then you get like, <laughs> What's it too you clever? think like with like Clueless, yeah. you know, they do some, some riff on Emma or something. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's just Clueless. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You didn't do a... All right, fine. You know, but then again, West Side Story. There's nothing Romeo and Juliet in that title, Not too. Not at all. So Not it was all. only 10 Things I Hate About You that decided to go, meh. I think it's a, very clever. It'd be really clever. I've never seen it, but I, I, it's clever. It's all right. It's all right. Sure, it's Heath fine. Ledger is uh, very good in it. And I cannot remember the lead that's the woman. Was it Julia Stiles? Could. That sounds about right. I like it. I think you're right. <laughs> Am I? So, uh, but did you like uh, Clueless? Did I like Clueless? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very good movie. It's I fun. Think I hate about you. It was also a TV series. Well, Clueless was also a TV series, which had a couple of the same characters from the movie Clueless. I see. But not Paul Rudd. I'll no. tell you that much for free. Or the lead actress. Yeah. And uh, sorry, with 10 Things I Hate About You, right, Julia Stiles. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was also That's in that. That's right. And Larry Miller. Because Larry Miller was in everything. <laughs> it's a 90s movie. Larry Miller's in it. Yeah. 
And then, excuse me, I gotta go be on Law and Order. Gotta be a villain. Gotta be a villain on Law and Order. One of the best villains. Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't have brought him back, but one of the best villains. Yeah, because if you're, uh, you know, if you're a comedian on Law and Order, you murdered a lot of people. (laughs) Fucking hell, you murdered a lot of people. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Speaking of movies, I've been playing a a game that Mary. uh, Well, a couple of games actually. One is called Framed. Okay, what's this? Tell me about it. Framed. You get five frames from a movie, and you have to guess what the movie is. Nice. So the first couple of frames are very unhelpful. A car. Might be that, like a street scene. Cup of coffee. Like one was a street scene. Yeah. You're like, okay, and you just guess randomly because you have no idea what the hell you're looking at. You're like, it's New York, I guess, but I don't know what else that means. And then... Taxi driver. Nope. And then the next scene, next shot was a night shot, back lit a lot of red, like it looked like a fire, and figures in like a forest. And you're like, what? Okay, wait a second. What, 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 what is it again? It's uh, the figures are in a forest. Yeah. And there's a fire. It looks like a fire, like it's like red lit around them. Okay. So figures in a forest. First shot was like New York. Yeah. And then it's uh, figures in a, in a forest. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, 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 I know what you did last summer. No. Okay, go ahead. Then the next shot was just of a door, like a front door of a house. And I was just like, oh, this is very confusing. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Huh. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. No. Okay. And then the fourth one was a rec room, like a had a, a poker table, had a marlin on the wall. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. Like a bar. You yeah, know, yeah, kind of yeah, like an yeah, old-fashioned yeah, yeah, rec room yeah. with like panel walls and, okay, okay, and everything okay. like that. And that okay. was the one that I got it on. Okay. So is it a famous movie? Yeah. Very well known. Very well known. Okay, rec room. Huh. That's tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, no, what, what is it? Do you, want, do you want more pictures? Yeah, I'll get one more picture. Yeah, give me another picture. The next picture is, I think it was People in a Car. Diner. And one of them was Joe Pesci. Oh, you pulling it. All right. Uh, it's not 10 heads in a duffel bag. Uh, that wouldn't be it at all. Ooh. Huh. Huh. Rec room. Ooh. What the hell? What the hell would that be? Think of Joe Pesci in a rec room. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going through Joe Pesci movies, and, you know, obviously I'm I'm going through your Goodfellas. You know? Is it Goodfellas? Yeah, Goodfellas. Well, what's he doing in the rec room? He shoots a kid in the leg when they're playing, playing cards. In the rec room. They're, like, in, a base, in the basement rec room of... Robert De Niro's house, whatever. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm blanking on that, but okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, that makes sense. All right. Because no, we're really interesting. Like, you know, you laughing at me, whatever, and then shoots him, shoots a kid. Wow. All right. Yeah. Okay. The final shot was like Ray Liotta and Robert De Niro in the diner. I got to get my dignity back. I'm going to the cinephile box. <laughs> well, I did open it up for you. All right. Let me just tell you the second game, though. Oh, please do. The second game. All right. Maybe we'll play this game before we, we go to All right, that. let's do that. This is called the box before office. Before I do horrible at uh, cinephile. This is called the box office game. All right, hit me. So the box office game. This one second. Star Wars. <laughs> is it Star Wars? Box office game. Okay, Star Wars. Uh, all right. So the way this game works. Yep. You have five movies. Okay. From a particular date and year. This is from July sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Okay. Wait a second. All right, July sixteenth. Let me fig- let me picture. All yeah. right. All right. Wait a second. I know exactly where I am. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So these are five films that were released that year. Okay. Or out at this time. Okay. And you have to guess them. And your only clue 
is the gross of the film. Okay. Now, I can give you more clues if I can, you want. I can tell you the top grossing movie of that year. What's that? Uh, that'd be Phantom Menace. Star Wars Phantom okay. Menace. Okay. So this isn't like top gross or anything like that. It's just, you just get the grosses of these films. Very good. Okay. So, um, so let's start with the first one. So I can give you a clue. I can give you the director, uh, actor one, actor two, actor three, but each of those are a separate clue and you lose points per. per okay. Per. Uh, just give me the director then. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Uh, Stanley. Okay. So Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick was still alive mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick was still alive. Oh, that's bad for me. Uh, are we counting? Okay. Now, once I've guessed, am I done? No, you get 10 guesses for okay. all the movies. All right, I'm going to... Okay, well, listen, I know... Okay, uh, okay. Uh, eyes wide shut. Very good. All right. Very good. Okay, the second movie, uh, once again, you can uh, get the director, the act, first actor, second actor, third actor. Okay. Give me second actor. Second actor. Second actor. Okay, Chris Klein. Well, if you take in first actor, you'd have it right away, but it's probably a bit trickier. Okay, is it a fish called Wanda? Chris Klein. Oh, not, not Kevin, Kevin Klein. Klein. Sorry, it's Chris Klein. Chris Klein. Oh, uh, is it uh, American Pie? Yes, it is. Very okay. good. Very good. Sorry. Okay, third film. You're doing really good. You're doing better than okay. I Okay. Second actor. Second actor. Ooh. 1999. Bill yeah. Pullman. Bill Pullman. Uh, is it uh, is it Independence Day? No, that's 96. Okay. Bill Pullman. That's, I, might, I might be confusing with Bill Paxton. Bill Pullman. Um... Huh, I wonder if he comes back. Is it uh, Zero Effect? No. All right, give me the first actor. First actor is Bridget Fonda. <whistles> okay, Bridget Fonda. Damn. <laughs> she didn't make a lot of movies before she retired. but Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, okay. All right. I'm going to go third actor, please. Third actor is Oliver Platt. Flatliner? Nope. No. Is it, is it, um, there's not a lot of Oliver Platt movies either, really. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, no, that's not right. Oh, Bridget Fonda. God damn. Oh. I can give you the tagline. It's not like It's not a remake of Nikita, is it? It's not. That was my, one of my guesses, but it's not. Okay. All right. Give me the tagline. Uh, you'll never know what bit you. Boy, howdy. Rabies the mo- No, it's not <laughs> I don't think I can guess this one. I'm going to have to give up. Uh, Unless, give me the director. Give me the director. Oh, well, it's not going to help you. Steve Miner. No, that doesn't help me. Okay, what was it? Uh, Lake Placid. Oh, all right. So, wait, so how is Betty White not one of the uh, leads? She's not, because she wasn't a lead. She was just a... Really? Okay. Uh, Oliver Platt was in that, eh? Yes, he was the scientist who came to investigate. He was very good in it, I thought. Very funny. Okay, but he was not... He should not have been ranked higher than Betty White. No, no, he had a bigger role than Betty White in the movie. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Betty White is a star. She deserves better than that shit. Okay, go ahead. This is a nice thing. What a you should you should lose you should lose more gracefully. Okay, so I got two out of three so far. I think doing very good. Um, Next one. Yeah. What do you want? Okay. Uh, Is is the tagline an option? It is. Oh, give me the tagline. Okay, Nature Called, Look Who Answered. Oh, uh, it's uh, Ace Ventura. It's not. What? That's when Nature Calls. <laughs> and I think that was, that would have been 93 that came out. Okay. 93, 94. Nature Called, Look Who Answered. Yeah. Okay, well. Do you want an actor? Do you want a director? 
I'm going to take a, how many guesses do I get? I'm losing points every guess, eh? Yeah, that's fine. All it, right. It, well, every every hint you lose you lose points, but it's fine. It's not. All right. I'm also going to go with then uh, George of the Jungle. Uh, no. All right. Give me the lead actor. Adam Sandler, 1999. Good God. You know who the director was, so don't bother. Don't yeah, waste your, yeah, don't yeah, waste yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, this this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this one like this I'm one, not in I, this movie, right? No, you're not in this movie. Okay, all right. This one good. I got for some reason. It was uh, Lake Placid that I had the the most. Oh wait, wait, hits. wait, wait. Uh, is it? Uh, uh, is it? Um, uh, uh, the one where he's a dad. Is it Daddy's Boy? Daddy's a uh, Daddy. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. There you go. Nice, nice. Very good. Very good. Right, because the because the reason. The reason for that tag yeah. is because he's taking a whiz on the wall with the kid oh, okay. in the poster. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the thing. It's ah. like there's nothing about nature in the plot. It's yeah, just the yeah. specific poster <laughs> makes sense for that gag to work. <laughs> okay. Boy, you know what? If you'd gone down the list then of the second actor and third actor, Bupkis. Yeah, would it help? Because Joey Lauren Adams, like, who? Yeah, from... John Stewart is the third actor. What the shit? And Joey Lauren Adams is from um, uh, Chasing Amy, right? I believe. Okay, okay, that's yeah, where yeah. she was coming out of. I think okay. she was Amy and chasing Amy. Okay, wow. No, she's not Amy, but yeah, Amy was uh, we, was we was Kevin Smith's girlfriend in uh, which, and then she became the actual Kevin. Smith. Oh, forget it. All right, let's. All right, <laughs> so here's the fifth movie. All right, fifth movie. Well, who do you want? Who do I want? I want the, the tagline. I want second. Oh, yeah, the tagline. Taglines are good. This is a good one. It doesn't get any wilder than this. Van Wilder. Van Wilder. Van Wilder. No, it's not Van Wilder. How is it not Van Wilder when it doesn't get any wilder than this? <laughs> well, it's not. Van Wilder came out a year after this one. Okay. It doesn't get any wilder than this. <laughs> they couldn't use it for Van Wilder because this movie took it first. Want an Ace act? Ventura 2. Do you want an actor? Yeah, give me the lead actor. Will Smith. Doesn't get any wilder than this. Madagascar? No, Will Smith isn't in Madagascar. Isn't he? No. Isn't Chris, he one of the guys? Chris in Rock is in it. Yeah, I know. But like, all right. Ben so Stiller's in it. Ben Stiller is in it. Yeah, you're right. Any Will Smith. Oh, fucking Wild Wild West. Yes, you got it. Nice oh, job. Pain in the ass. <laughs> it's a fun game, though. But you're yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, you're you're, right. You're exactly right. You're right. Okay. I, the year, the year, uh, the day before, or the day before the year was two thousand and three, and I had so much trouble with that one. I didn't know any of the movies. I guessed one, which was Phone Booth. That was the only one I knew. All the rest, I had no idea. In fact, I just I, I gave up on it actually because I was so I was so out of it. But I was thinking like in nineteen ninety nine. The girls were still pretty young, and I could still like watch yeah. movies and things like that, and still be what, kind of in. What the year know. do you think you saw the most movies? That's a good question. Yeah, pro- probably, pro- probably like nineties, like sometime in the nineties, ninety one, ninety two, in there. Okay, let's go ninety two then. All right, I'm gonna go ninety two. All right, very good. Uh, and uh, I'll do this another thing and uh, this are you looking at movies that came out that year or something yeah yeah okay I thought I'm going to try and uh, and get you with uh, <laughs> get you with that and uh, yeah I'll try and get you with that oh, let me just say before we before we go, you do that when I was doing that Well Well West one you know what happened is I got Will Smith mixed up with Denzel Washington because mm. it was Kenneth Branagh as the second actor. Why the hell did I think? Well, oh well, of course, Will Smith and Chris Rock. I'm getting mixed up this week. And so, yeah. and so, I was thinking it was uh, the Shakespeare movie that Branagh did with Denzel Washington, and Emma Thompson, and Keanu Reeves, and whatnot, which is much ado about nothing, or one of those movies like that, one of the kind of comedies. And I was just guessing, like I guessed so many of those movies, and then I finally clicked in the tagline, and I was like, oh, <laughs> dummy. 
Okay, so I got the highest grossing movies from uh, from that. Year. Okay, okay. All right, so why don't you give me a number between one and ten, and I'll uh, and I'll try and get you to uh, guess it. Okay, three, I suppose. Three sounds good. Okay, uh, I think I can get. Okay, all right. So what we want, and I can give you the tagline if you want. Okay. Uh, well, let's start with the, the lead actor, the first actor. The lead actor will probably give you this. Okay. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. So Sister Act. Sister Act is correct. And the tagline was, no sex, no booze, no men, no way. <laughs> That's what <laughs> she says. I'll tell you that much for free. That was uh, a musical, wasn't it? Uh, it became on, uh, well, there is music in it. Yeah, she teaches them to sing. Okay. With good uh, rhythm mm. and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're, because they're off because they're nuns and they don't know nothing, but they got beautiful voices. <laughs> Okay. It almost feels like the lead in every one of these will give it away. Okay. Well, if you don't want to give that clue. So I would say let's get the lead out of there. Okay. So no leads. No leads, but I'll give you the rest of anything you want. Okay. So a one to five, a one to ten. Okay. So let's go seven. Let's go seven. Oh, seven's a nice one. There we go. Seven's there's a lot. Number. There's a lot going on here. Okay. So okay. Will you give me the director? I will. Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall. Uh, that would have been a League of Their Own. Yep. Very good. You're doing very well. I saw, I saw the movie with my mom and dad at the theater. That's, okay, how, that's, go that's a family movie. Number 10 movie here. Number yep. 10. All right. Number 10? Number 10. And I can... Do I have... There uh, is no tagline. Okay. Like. Oh, wait. Uh, no, there is no tagline. I, okay. I apologize. Okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, I, guess, I guess I'll get, take director first. Then. Director, uh, Andrew Davis. Andrew Davis. Oh, okay. Andrew Davis. So is this uh, that Siege movie with Steven Seagal? Called? <sighs> it is not called That Siege Movie with Steven Seagal. <laughs> Darn. The second actor of the movie is Tommy Lee Jones. Um, let's see. Uh, what's it called? Um, Do you remember what the female lead is called? No, I don't remember her, but oh, she's very that? good. Er- Erica Elenek. Yeah, when she came out of the uh, yeah, cake. Yeah, the that cake. That was very good. Yeah, everyone just went, what the hell is going on in the world? We, we, we can't handle this. Did it have Siege in the title, though? Yes. That's pretty Blank sure. Siege. Seven Siege. Nope. Uh, deep Siege. Nope. Deep Siege Diving. Nope. <laughs> I'll tell you that the sequel was called, and I'm not going to tell you, you know, the first one, yeah. word. Blank Siege 2, Dark Territory. <laughs> um, Dang, I don't remember the title of it. Under Siege. Under Siege. That's good, too. Under Siege. It is. It's good that I knew that, though. Yeah. Just, just from the name of that. Because he didn't do a lot of movies. He did um, that movie, which I thought was pretty good. Because he's doing it's a Steven Seagal film. He actually made him palatable. Mm-hmm. Then he did. Um, then he did the uh, the Fugitive. Yeah. With Harrison Ford. I don't think he did much after that. Of note. Well, this tagline just gives everything away. Okay. So, well, then I, well, so we're not going to do that. So which uh, which number is this one? Sorry? This one is number eight. Number eight. I okay. believe it's number eight. Let me double. Okay. Let me double check. I want to make sure I am leading you down the right. Yes, it is number eight. All <laughs> uh, right. So give me the director again. Director. Oh, two directors. Oh, two directors. John Musker and Ron Clements. Ooh, that's no help at all. The old Musker Clements, who <laughs> Musker also Clements were two of the screenwriters. Okay. Two of four screenwriters. All right, so maybe give me the second actor if you're not going to give me the lead actor. Second actor would love to give you second actor. Uh, that would be Scott Weinger. W-E-I-N-G-E-R. This is a popular film? This was uh, number eight. I think his name was pronounced Vinegar. Mm-hmm. There are other actors in this that uh, would give it away. Well, that's fine. I, there, sh- there should give it away. There should be a clue that helps okay. you. Yeah, the uh, number one. Yeah, the number one actor would give it away for sure. Okay, how about number three actor? Linda Larkin. Oh, that's not help at all. Nope. Is there a tagline? I was saying like the tagline would a hundred percent give it away. Okay. 
Um, it's I based think? on a very, very old story. Very old story. Very old public domain story. Incredibly old. <laughs> so old. Crazy old. In fact, we've discussed it in this episode. <laughs> That's how old it is? It's, we've, it's so old we have talked about it in this episode already. Wow. Yes. What do we talk about in this episode? Um, Ask for the uh, fifth actor. Okay, well, who's the fifth actor? Frank Welker. Frank Welker. Oh, so Scooby-Doo is in it? Yeah, the actor who plays Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Nibbler and many others. Yeah. So knowing that he's in it. That's not helping me. That gives you a clue that like what type of movie it is. Frank Welker is only in a certain type of movie. So is it animated? Oh, yes. In fact, it is. Now that you're asking okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's an animated movie. It's an old story. Very old story. Very old Super story. Super old story that we've already talked about in this episode. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I, I can't remember what we talked about. You should listen to this episode. I should. I have to go back and listen to it. Okay, just wait, everyone. I'll be right back. All right. I'll give you one more name. Okay. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, Aladdin. Uh, it's Aladdin, I guess. Yes. Oh, so Robin Williams would have given it away. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. That's one I wouldn't have seen that year. I wouldn't have gone to see it. Okay. Uh, let's... Oh, boy. Boy. Okay, here we go. This is a good one. Number nine. Okay. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number the other ones are pretty freaking easy. So this one... Okay. Number nine. Okay. This one you may have seen, you may have not. Yeah, probably not. I Maybe. saw it. You saw it. I saw it at a three for, you know, <laughs> uh, 275. I saw it at the Paradise. Yep. Saw it at the Paradise. Uh, okay. Came out January 10th, 1992. I'll start with my usual. The director? Director Curtis Hansen. Curtis Hansen. Yes, All right. Sir. Director of uh, LA Confidential. All right. Director of. What else? <laughs> what did he direct in uh, 1992? Yeah, I don't know. It's good then. The movie directed... is 110 minutes long. Does that help you at all? Does not help me at all. Okay. It was in Who's... English. It was in English. It was in English. It okay, thank you. $40 million. Ooh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Production companies were Hollywood Pictures, Interscope. And that and... makes. That makes sense how we get LA Confidential made if he was making a movie that made that kind of money that, that early on. Yeah. Um, who is the second actor in the movie? Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay? That is the one that The hand that, that rocks the cradle. Yeah. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> rocks! The cradle. Okay. I did not know Curtis Hansen directed that. Directed the Wonder... What? The Wonder Boys and... Uh, Five, uh, one mile for for Eminem. Yep, and fi- and finally, I'll uh, maybe yeah, you're gonna get this one in a heartbeat. Oh, maybe, uh, but maybe uh, specifically, yeah, maybe not. Know. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I guess we'll go director again. Going right. Wait, let me see if I can get the. Is there is there a thing? Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'll give you the tagline if you want. Okay, sure. Uh, the magic is back again. The magic is back again. The magic is back again. Wow. Okay. The magic is <laughs> back again. I believe this was the number two movie. Am I right? Yes, number two movie that year. So you must have seen it if you were seeing movies then. Magic is who directed it? Who directed it? Richard Donner. Richard Donner directed this movie. It was a real Donner party. (laughs) Oh, that's Joel Silver was a producer. Joel Silver is the producer, so it must be Lethal Weapon too. Is that your final answer, sir? The magic is back again. Is your, <laughs> is, is, is your final answer for yeah. all the money? This is double. Well, Richard Donner, Joel Silver. So so sorry. Am I getting that as your final answer? Yeah. Just ask me. Yeah. You say yes. Yes. So sorry. <laughs> is that wrong? Lethal Weapon Three. Oh yeah. Lethal Weapon Three. <laughs> That's right. Oh uh, well. <laughs> because who's in yeah. Lethal Weapon Three? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's in Lethal Weapon Three. But is he That's magical? Little, well, the magic is back, and there's this little head poking between, uh, you know, the two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, and again, if you want to feel real sh- bad about it, uh, probably when Danny Glover was saying he was too old for this shit, much, much younger than us. <laughs> 
Yes, I think he was much, much younger, much, much younger than us. So, was, what was the what's the number one movie? Like, who directed that one? Oh, okay. Well, you want to be you want to do that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, sure. We'll do that one. Let's go for it. Okay. Uh, is there a tagline? There is not a tagline to this. Did okay. not need a tagline. Everyone nope. was going to see it anyway. <laughs> it was going anyway. Yeah. Who directed it? Let me let me let me tell oh. you this. Yeah. I'll tell you someone who was who who was in it. First person you see. Yeah. In this movie, uh, Paul Rubens. Does that help you at all? Paul Rubens is the first person. First to see face this? you see in the movie is Paul Rubens. I'll tell you that. That I'm throwing that out for free. For free. No, it doesn't help me. So. All right, very good. Ask whatever you want. Who's the director? Director is going to give it to you. So <laughs> good. Uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton loves Paul Rubens. I guess he would love because he directed Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but it's sure not Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's not Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's a- you just, but I'm just telling you, the first face you see is Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. Just going through his career in my head here, everyone. Please do. Because I don't think I saw this movie. Screenplay by Daniel Waters. And possibly telling you who the story was by with Daniel Waters would give it away. At least uh, it would to me. Okay. Um, I'll show you. I'll tell you this. Christopher okay. Walken's in it. Christopher Walken's in it. Christopher. 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 Christopher Walken. <laughs> Did I say Christopher? <laughs> Christopher Walken's yeah. in it. Okay. Um. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. Michael Gao? Gao? Gao. Michael Gao is also... It's Johnny Depp in it. Johnny Depp is not in it. Johnny Depp is not in it. Johnny Depp is not in this movie that I know about. Hmm. But it's a Tim Burton But film. let me tell you this. Michael Gao would would uh, play this role four times that hmm. I can think of. Really? Yes. I... I... <laughs> People, I know, you, I know you're telling me what it is, but I, I, somehow I miss this movie. Everyone, or, or maybe you I did not remember. miss this movie. You saw this movie. Maybe everyone saw this movie. It was the number one movie. Who? What, what, give, me, give me another actor. Give you another actor that's in it. Uh, let's go, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Batman Returns. There you go. <laughs> Silly of me. Forgot about the Batman movies. Yep. I was trying to think of his career, and I was like, well, "What was he doing then?" Yeah, but the first uh, first image you see is uh, uh, Co- Cobblepot's dad. You know, who sees the horribly deformed baby and t- tosses it, tosses it in a little river or a little stream. And that's Paul Rubens. That's Paul Rubens. Oh. Who went on to do many other things. But yes. he uh, reprised that role on the Gotham TV show where oh, the character okay. was playing the penguin went and discovered his parents. And yeah. I believe his mother was played by Carol Kane. Huh. So good, good casting there. Yeah. Like Paul Rubens and Carol Kane as the penguins folks. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Well, that was a fun game. I agree. I did all right. All right, I'm gonna pick one card out of the. Uh, I'm gonna pick one card oh, out. Oh, we're of the gonna box. do a, how many? What movies were there? Yeah, we're trying to do as many movies as we can. Okay. We're test. Okay. Test it. Uh, Pam Greer. Pam I'm gonna say Greer. coffee. Coffee. Foxy is one. Brown. Foxy Brown. Uh, uh, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. That's very good. Ghosts of Mars. Ah, that was the one I was gonna go with. Pam <laughs> uh, Greer. What else? Uh, I oh, I think she was in. I'm gonna get you, sucker. I think she did okay. a, a part in that. Ginger. Well, you win. <laughs> and back she goes. <laughs> Thanks, Pam. Which I never, I never saw, but it was on Tubi. Okay. A little while ago, she's a photographer for a newspaper. Pat, yeah. Uh, Ghost of Mars ending made me so annoyed. It's a, uh, it's a dumb movie. It's a dumb movie, and it's that's a movie well that's shot, but it's, it's a movie dumb. that's so limited in its in its setting that it's it's like you're watching a play. It's like a school play movie. Like they don't leave like a set, basically. Mm. They never go anywhere. They're just around this one area. But it was like there was a disease. But it's not as cool as uh, Precinct, Assault on Precinct 13. 
Well, the, but their own logic makes no sense, which is like, okay, so if you shoot someone, mm-hmm. then the thing that's in them yeah. uh, goes out and like then possesses someone else. Yeah. So you can't shoot them. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing you can't do. And so she and Ice Cube are constantly shooting people, <laughs> even though it's like, don't shoot them. You're just killing more people. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you've killed, you've made this much, much worse every time you do it. <laughs> and then, like, at the end, you, they both break out of prison and they grab shotguns and they're like, well, let's go kick some ass. It's what we do best. Like, no, <laughs> what you do best is spread a disease. You're terrible at this. Yeah. You didn't get memo number one. It's good. It's good stuff. Like, if what they did was this. Which was like, you have all those kick-ass scenes. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it seems like people are just getting possessed left and right. And then at the end, you find out, hey, you know what? It's killing people that gets people possessed. Mm. You thought you were great, but everything that you did was shitty up to this point. You're not the hero. We did enjoy all the action, but you're shitty. You're, you you fucked it all up. It's all your fault. You know, then that'd be kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. You know, and then they're like, what do you want to do? Like, stop shooting people? Nah. Let's keep going. I kind of like it, you know. We'll 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 do it the hard way. We'll just make sure everybody on this planet is dead. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. We're gonna make this the red planet. Chick chick, <laughs> and then baboo. My favorite part of that uh, movie, though, and I've talked about it in the show and all, but I'll say it again: is um, watching the bonus features. I saw this at David's a long time ago, and uh, we were watching the bonus features, and there's a scene where. John Carpenter's working with the music with this musician who's was called Buckethead, who I'd never heard of at that time, but he wore a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket on his head and a mask, like a full face mask. Okay. Uh, and he played guitar. Okay. So if it was the Colonel, that's a terrible disguise. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. And he had like this really long frizzy hair that stuck out from underneath this this bucket. Right. And he's wearing this mask and he's like, but he played guitar like in that really boring heavy metal kind of and John Carver just like, yeah, I want you to give a kind of more of a da 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 da. And he's like, I I guess it was like distinctions not cost effective to me because it was just sounded like all he did was just go and the guitar and it just sounded no different than what he was doing before. But I guess guess it was different. I don't know. Maybe it sounded better inside the bucket. <laughs> it sounded great, but it's just so weird to see like a guy wearing a mask and a bucket. Like, yes, you wear that when you're performing i guess if you're buckethead that's what you wear that's part of your shtick did buckethead perform he, yeah he was like a musician i played okay i assume he's still playing do you feel that he was probably like a famous musician who just wanted to do some shit and like i gotta disguise myself no no i think that's his his thing like he's a guy who decided he's gonna wear a, a mask in a style but you know it's smart okay tell me how that's smart it's smart to wear a mask okay and disguise yourself because you never grow old. You never grow old as an artist. Okay. Like we were watching, um, we went to see Nick Lowe play. Okay. And he was backed by these guys. And now I can't remember their name, but they wear wrestler, wrestling masks while they play. And they mostly play kind of like surf style songs when they're playing on their own. Right. Like kind of guitar instrumentals and stuff like that. And when you're watching them, you're like, well, I guess these guys are young guys back in Nick Lowe. I, like I guess, but no, when you watch them moving and stuff like that, you realize, oh no, these guys are old. They're actually really old guys. But you don't know because they're wearing luchador masks, right? Okay. They have no idea. Okay. It's smart. All right. You know, Daft Punk, they're smart. You don't know how old Daft Punk are. They could be like middle-aged French guys playing music. You don't know. They could tell you any story. They could pass, you know. Air, that only other famous French group, Mm -hmm. 
they they're gonna get old and we're just gonna be like Ugh, a bunch of old guys daft punk will never grow old nor will their music mostly because they just copied georgia georgia maroder right and i think they did just take off their masks oh did they uh, yeah so you think it was a mistake, for, mistake for a kiss to take off the makeup big mistake yeah okay that was their that was their stick that was their thing that was what that was what made them interesting was their get up yes it was tiresome to wear by that point in their in their career and who wants to spend two hours in a chair before your concert putting and you know you got to put on the big boots and the platform shoes and like you're gonna fall at some point break a hip. they're doing it now yeah they're back to wearing all that stuff now when they're really well they're not doing anything now because i think uh paul stanley is kind of losing it but oh i'm sorry about that yeah but i mean for years like i know that they did that behind the mask whatever it's called album but then later on they just went back to the mask and it's like you know hmm. but really personally i think kiss were really only interesting in the in the 70s okay then they started thinking they're like a heavy metal group which they never were a heavy metal group they're like a glam rock band you know all their songs are like glam but then they yeah then then you had the nostalgia factor and people were just wanting to kind of revisit yeah, you know so it's like yeah you want to see yeah you don't want to see them without the makeup no 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 you don't and also you know, like they could have just like, because apparently Ace Freely was a bit of a, a bit of a loose cannon, and they could have really just replaced him and just had the, another person wear the same makeup. And it well, been... I mean, they replaced the cat and with the fox. Yeah, it was but, fine. People yeah. were fine with it. Yeah, no one cares. Tired of playing with them? That's fine. So care. it was the demon, the star child. Uh, what was the third one? Demon, well, star child. Uh, Ace Freely. I don't know what his makeup was actually. Yeah, it was something. It was something like. Oof. And then, uh, and then the other guy was uh, cat. He's, yeah. a, he's a cat. Yeah, Peter and you just want to like look over at him and just go like, "What are you? What are you doing? It's just a cat?" Peter Chris on drums. Yeah, Ace Freely on lead guitar. Sure. Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Right, but they were all like spectacular, big, larger than life. Oh, yeah, it was like Star- to give their stage names. Star Child. Yeah, Star Child. Demon. Uh, something else, but it was pretty spectacular. And then I'm a cat. I was like, <laughs> no, no. Nope, you can't. That's that's just basic face pretty, painting. Pretty you just went no. You just went to the fair and just went. I'm I'm a cat. It's like that's not good enough. Your kiss, like why the cats are why cool. is there no cats are cool no. What's the deal? What do you mean cats aren't cool? No, not when it's like what what are you? I'm the demon. What are you yeah. playing? I'm playing the lead bass. Is bass, it bass? Bassist, yeah. yeah, big bass guitar. It's just like really fucking cool. It's like there's a demon. Yeah, what's this guy? This guy's and don't forget he had a cow's tongue grafted to his own tongue. There you go. Then you got a guy who's like, uh, you know, he's like from outer space yeah. playing things you all chords you could never. Woo! And then whatever the other guy, you know, was spectacular. And then like, hey, there's a cat on the drums. Yeah. Nope. Doesn't fit the that theme. That is the most suitable costume for the band. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> nope. Cat on the drums. Boo. <laughs> didn't. More effort, please. Oh, I, like, I like their makeup. I, I'm not too sure what Ace Freely was. Because Gene Simmons, yeah. I mean, Gene Simmons, his star child thing was just having a star over his eye. Like, it was nothing, like, spectacular. Okay. Like, Peter Chris's was, like, more evocative of what he was supposed to be. Oh, what? A cat on the drums? A cat on the drums, yeah. What's wrong with a cat? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand your prejudice against he's cats. A cat on the drums. Yes. So who are we, who are we missing here? We're missing... Uh, okay. We're not missing anyone. Okay, so... Of the Ace, real kiss. Ace Freely was the star child, right? I think that was Paul Stanley was a star. Paul Stanley. Okay, so Ace Freely. Okay, invented. Uh, uh, he was the spaceman. Sorry. Oh, okay. He was Ace the Freely was the spaceman or space ace. 
Right. Okay. okay and then so. we uh, we want what the hell? Uh, I got like okay. I got modern members here. Yeah. Yeah. Don't so who am I? Who am I looking for? You're looking for Ace Freely. I'm looking for Ace Freely. Well, I just yeah. looked up at Ace Freely. He was the star guy. Oh. So, okay. So I'm looking for Paul Stanley. Is what I'm looking for. Yeah, Paul Stanley. Okay. And he was the star child. So we had a star child and a space. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. We had two space guys. Sure. Then a demon shows up. Yeah, demon then, shows and up. And then a cat. And then a cat. No! <laughs> What's wrong with That's bullshit. That's a <laughs> bullshit theme. Why? Bullshit. What should he have been? Well, something... Someone's that, already got the space guy and the star, star child, which is just ridiculous because they're overlapping. Really. Yeah, and then you got the demon. Demon, which, then, whatever that means. Hi, I I'm, think they just... I, I, I'm a cat. They just wanted to... <laughs> No. <laughs> no, not at all. Boo. Maybe that's why he left the group. Boo. Maybe I'm he's dis- disgusted with the cat I'm choice. disgusted with the group. Sickened by all this. <laughs> I like that you put away the, the your tablet when you're... I'm putting away my tablet because i got to charge it. Oh, i got to charge it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, am looking that stuff up? The tablet just rejected the whole thing. Just like, you know... Cat? I was like, okay. That's ridiculous. We finally got rid of, uh, we finally got rid of Peter Chris. Oh, no. Uh, what, what are we going to replace him with? All right, get this. Fox. Did he just show up at the same fucking fair and I just look that. like, all right, what do we got? Number one, no. cat. I love Number the two, stuff. fox. No. Number three, uh, a wolf. <laughs> Number four, pig. It's just like, they just like. But it wasn't. Oh, okay, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. They just they just I went like to it. a fair and had the face painter at a kid's birthday party do their uh, mug. That's uh, that's what they had. Is, is it true? Is it not true that they did four solo albums in one, in one year? They put up four solo albums. Okay. I remember that time where they all had the ones with the fa- yeah, faces. Yeah, yeah, the faces on them. on them. But only one had a hit, and that was Peter Chris with Beth. I want to say that's seventy-nine. It's around there, yeah, yeah, yeah about seventy-nine. Because yeah. yeah. there was a kid across the street from me, and he was the biggest fan. And okay, had, like posters of all four. Yeah, of yeah, those, yeah, uh, yeah. Things. yeah. And Beth, yeah, Beth was. I have Kiss posters. They're still in the records, but I have them. So their hits were like "I Was Made for Loving You, Baby," uh, "Detroit Rock City." Mm-hmm. What else do they have that were hits? Anything? Uh, Saturday night with that. Saturday night. That's right. Wait, Saturday nights. Or no. you know, I want to rock and roll. Sorry, walk and roll night. That's one. Yeah, I'm Saturday night is a uh, Bay Sa- City Rollers. Bay City oh, I, just, I meant rock and roll night. People always confusing. Did Bay you say City. Detroit Rock City? I think so. Okay, I think I did. Which is also the name of the their movie. Well, they had Phantom a couple of movies. Phantom of the Phantom of the uh, Paradise. Paradise. No, yeah. Phantom of the No Phantom of the Park, I think it was called. Phantom of the Park? Something like that. It was at an amusement park. Okay, Phantom of the Paradise was a different one. Yeah, that's a Brian De Palma film. Okay. With uh, Paul Williams. Phantom of the... Okay, well, here's the here's the question. Okay. What made their Marvel comic book different? Oh, the, the human blood that that's was put right. into the ink. That's Not really. Right. It didn't really happen, I don't think. But, but that's the thing about them that I always find kind of fascinating is that there was this sort of weirdly hard, like kind of... I don't know, like the sense that they're really dangerous and stuff like that. And then when you hear their music, it's it's very poppy and which I I like, but you know, yeah, it's nothing nothing of what it's like. Like there's a guy at work, not at work, but a person who comes to work to pick up doors, and he is a huge Kiss fan, and he always talks about how you know he bought these Kiss tickets and whatever. But then I, I came to his van one time. He was waiting, and, and inside the van, he was listening to music that just sounded like it just sounded like uh, someone was I don't know what it sounded like. It's hard to describe it. It just sounded like this. Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah. That's all it sounded like from outside. Like it was just like this. Like and I was like, oh, I guess that's music. I'm not too sure. It was a Phantom of the Park. That's what I said. Yeah, all right. 
That's fine. <laughs> you, you didn't believe me. No, no. Well, you didn't believe you. You were, you were uh, they, maybe. I believe they, I believe there's one version where their voices are replaced. Oh, okay. And then there's, maybe I'm wrong though. I can't. Okay. Because uh, if you watch it, it's quite hilarious to hear these guys with their new joysy accents <laughs> wearing all this makeup talking. It's quite, quite funny. Yeah, we should. Oh, I can't do it. New Jersey accent. Sorry. Uh, Not at the top of my head. I have to work into it. I'm, all my chords are, are all messed up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you my story in one second uh, about things. Uh, well, just want to make sure that my sister-in-law uh, made it inside. Did she make it inside? I'm here. Yeah, I think so. Inside what? Uh, the, the the house oh, that okay. we're in right now. Okay. Uh, she said she was at, at the door, and I think my sister, uh, my sister-in-law made it in. So that's okay. good. good. Uh, okay, here's the story. Okay. Here's the story. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, my uh, father-in-law, who uh, not the greatest guy in the world, uh, uh, w- uh, apparently auditioned for uh, Kiss. Okay. And uh, and uh, my wife uh, remembers uh, I, uh, Gene Simmons coming over, I believe, for uh, dinner or something to talk it over. And okay. then later on, uh, uh, the father dined out on the story that like he turned them down. I see. But they want him to be the new okay. drummer. Uh, uh, their drummer? Or? Yeah, for Kiss. Okay, so this was as Kiss, not as Wicked yeah. Lester. That, well, mm-hmm. anyway. so uh, That was the band they were in before they were Kiss. So he would, yeah, he would dine out on that story. Okay. Of turning them down. And, uh, and the story he would tell was that uh, you, that uh, my wife would say, said to him, does this mean you'll be wearing pantyhose? And he was like, <laughs> I can't do that to my kids or some such. So, uh, so anyway. Yeah, uh, we're at San Diego Comic Con. We're walking around. Mm-hmm. We see Gene Simmons. Okay, and she's like, "I just want to know if this story is true." And yeah. I'm like, "You should ask him." And he's like, "With well, two girls." Yeah, and of course. Like, ah. But you know what? He's Gene Simmonsing around in like sure. San Diego. It's not like you know. I'm. I want my privacy. Yeah. Says Gene Simmons with yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. Not, obviously, he wants people to like. Sure, sure. You're Gene Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And so he, she went up to he's him, promoting and, his TV show, and and said like, "My dad told me the story." Da 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 da. Uh, and it's like, well, that's just a lie. <laughs> and it's like, give me your phone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell your daddy's a damn liar. <laughs> she didn't have a phone. And it's like, oh. Uh, and the biggest regret was that. Yeah. Like he was yeah. really actually sweet about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. She, he got the gist that like, dad was a deadbeat dad. He hmm. was like doing all this stuff. And so uh, it was just like it was one of those things that like on that trip, man. Go, we've got to get a cell phone. Because the idea of like you know your dad picking up the phone and it being Gene Simmons mm-hmm. and just like just him calling you a liar and just hanging up would yeah. have been the most beautiful thing in the world. But this was this was still very nice and Gene Simmons was very pleasant. I have to say I did watch a little bit of Family Jewels, whatever it's called, Simmons Family Jewels. Okay, and uh, the kids actually seem really kind of down to earth and like people. Well, Gene Simmons, I'll say this about Which Gene Simmons. Which the Osbournes didn't have as much. My favorite Osbourne. Well, yeah. My favorite Osbourne is the one that you never saw. Who's that? The daughter that wasn't on the show. Oh, jeez. I didn't know there was a Yeah, there was a daughter that didn't want to be in the reality show, and so you do not know that she exists, but there is an Osbourne daughter that was never on, good for on her. the show. Yeah, I know. That's, I, really, I find that really admirable for some reason. I think it's really good. They just ignored all that type and stuff like that. But on the Simmons Family Jewels, the kids seem to look at be kind of... Uh, not that starstruck by their dad, obviously, because he was their dad, right? Yeah. So there's a certain amount of like irony or, or you know, kind of a bit of a smirk 
you know, to his cheap ways and his con yeah. constant conniving and need to like turn everything into a money making venture. And, and they're just kind of like, ugh, come on. Yeah. But this is paying the bills and you're, yeah. you know, you're yeah. benefiting from of course they are. the paying the bills. Of course they are. I mean, the thing that you got to give like, but you, still, you, just, you know, it's your, it's your dad. Right. And here's honestly, like if you were a rock star in the seventies as he was, he was, okay. Yes. And you've gotten to now without a horrible story coming out about you. That's like, oh boy. I think he's pretty honest about the fact that he was a womanizer and stuff. And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, isn't you know? I mean, think if, think if you pretend that you're not, and then it comes out, then you look bad. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I had sex with lots of women. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like, yeah, consensual. Da -da, yeah, you yeah. know, not you know, but like an yeah. open seventies consensual. Right, yeah. right. That's right. But like an open, you know, open guy about yeah, 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 yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're right. It is seventies consensual. I understand that. <laughs> but like that, you you did not accumulate a snowball of uh, of, of horrible stories about yourself. Mm -hmm. First of all, good on you. Yeah, that's okay. that's pretty good. But then like that, you are very open about kind of your greed of just like I want. I just want to make money. Yeah. I want to make money. Like the, what do you got going on? I'm in Kiss. Yeah. I can't now start a second business with a Waffle House. You know, I'm in Kiss. Everything yeah. is Kiss. I'm yeah. going to sell you a coffin with Kiss on it. I own Kiss. So that's what I'm going to do. And yeah, yeah he's open, yeah. you know, yeah. about that. And it's like, well, then that's fine. That's good. You're being very, you know, straight about like everything that you want. It's like if people want to buy this shit, great. And if people don't want to buy this shit, fine. And you've got to create you know, minor scandals every so often or publicity stunts. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. you can be buried in a kiss coffin. Oh, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Imagine this oh, sacred thing of funerals being, no, of course not. Who fucking cares? But it's yeah. a story. Mm -hmm. and then you're on TV and then you do some shit. And then whenever there seems to be like some incident, uh, uh, you know, in, in rock or whatever, and he's got to take a position, he seems to take the right position. So yeah, that's yeah, it's fine. And his wife's Canadian. Cool. Is that just as a tax dodge? <laughs> no, she's a she. You would know her if I can remember her name. She was like a, so. If we went on a game <clears> show, we get to keep all the money because my wife's Canadian. She did. A, she was like a model, and then she did a lot of those kind of movies where the she, you know, the woman gets naked at some point in the movie. Yeah, that's that sounds like a movie. Yeah, sounds really good. I can't remember her name. Sounds really good. <laughs> I want to see that movie where the woman gets naked. Yeah, yeah that fine. sounds pretty good. I like those movies. Were you thinking uh, Porky's? Is that the movie you were thinking? About? No, no, this is a Canadian movie. This is like Dave. mystery movie. There's like a mystery movie, and then oh, the mystery is like who's naked? <laughs> no, we know who's naked, and uh, but I can't remember her name. Sorry, I can't remember her name. I, I'm sure we could look it up, but whatever. Whatever. But I think actually she's from... The mystery is who's naked. I'm just picturing like a Sherlock Holmes thing. And it's just like... All I can think is like Sherlock Holmes. And just like... And I've deduced oh, no. who was naked yes. in that first scene. It was Paul Rubens. It's like, oh, you followed him into the movie theater. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I think she's in Vancouver, maybe. Probably. I know that they went to... Uh, like say at Whistler a lot and stuff like that. Nice, but uh, but I cannot remember her name. I apologize. That's all right. I apologize to you, listeners. I apologize to you, Ian. Sure. I apologize to her. To Gene Simmons. I apologize to Gene Simmons. To everyone husband, in the family, Jules, who loves her. At least I think they're still married. Maybe that's all over with now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the Osborne show Maybe was she aged out. Was the most popular of that kind of you know here's the rock star or the rock person and their yeah. family the, your david fosters mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know whatnot uh which i guess they couldn't call it foster children <laughs> it seems like that would be the obvious thing yeah uh man no longer in motion because he's just staying at home with the kids uh <laughs> yeah, i don't think he's part of that anyway yeah but you know yeah 
Gene Simmons seems fine. And maybe there's a horrible Gene Simmons story out there that I'm uh, missing out on. But, uh, you know, if anyone was to, you know, yeah, I think he should have had a word with the cat, though. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it was the year of the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, what's new, Pussycat? There was a lot of cats. There was a lot of things. cats in the air at that time. Yeah, cats in the cradle. Um, speaking of music, Dave, yeah. you sent me a variety of songs. Oh, I did. I did all over the you. place. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> yeah. was there a theme to this? There, is a, uh, there was a theme. Okay, now this is a throwback to your uh, previous podcast. You're a podcaster that's always on the go. I'm You're a, like Gene Simmons, right. looking for the next I'm, hot thing. I'm always leaving. You're always, uh, yeah, and yeah. now, like, look. You used to do a podcast about music. Mm-hmm. It was called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Yes, All of them available still on the Sneaky Dragon webpage. But yes. you have now turned your interests to uh, mysteries about horses and places horses stay. <laughs> That's right. Places you can places they can stay. Yes. Right. And, you, and which is co-hosted yes. by the person that you brought up earlier in the show. My wife. My Nate. wife, my beautiful wife, Lisa Williamson. There you go. Yeah. So listen, good tie-ins on that, mm-hmm. but but occasionally we like to do a throwback. Yes. To uh, to the oldie days, and yes. you bring a couple of songs with a theme. What's the theme for for this week's uh, songs? Well, I I started with the theme bad traffic, but I don't know if it counts for all the songs that I have here. But that was the idea. There's top five songs about bad traffic. Well, and I brought this up with my wife, and I said uh, she went like, "What's your what are you listening to?" I'm listening to bad traffic songs, and she <laughs> went, "Oh, like romantic traffic." And I went like, no, romantic traffic isn't part of this this uh, this thing. I do like that song though. But I went like, but I don't think that's bad traffic because yeah. it's romantic traffic. And it's like it can be. And I was like, what? So romance can be bad? <laughs> Look, this is a deeper well than I'm willing to <laughs> drop a bucket into right now. That's right. I feel like I'm climbing into a well. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to have a conversation later on. <laughs> but the theme is bad traffic. Okay. The theme is bad traffic. Yes, and not and. In the bad traffic, in the sense, like you can't get to where you want to go, and usually that right. may have some romantic elements to it. But this is this is not it's not about romantic traffic. No, this is about people. I don't know what it's about actually. It's a song. <laughs> I've got to assume cars. Let's. It's, uh, <laughs> Let's bad traffic. It's about people in cars and places cars go. So uh, the first song is a little a little obscure. Okay. In the sense that you know it's one of those groups that put up like maybe one or two singles. Got a, an album deal with a kind of more a smaller company. Okay. Put that out. And then they, you know, then the band ended and the people went on and they, you know, got jobs and one's an accountant now. And, and maybe they're back together again playing some local shows. But but uh, they were from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And the band was called The Frederick. Okay. The Frederick. And this song is called Five O'Clock Traffic from 1968. Why don't we play it? Let's give it a listen, everyone. I'm 
Open up on a heart that won't set you free sounds like the start of an edgar wright movie yeah yeah i think like someone's walking there's mm. a long walk and yeah that, that music is playing and there's stuff in the background you really should notice because it's going to enter into <laughs> things later on. so you want to have like a speaking of um pam greer like mm. an, op- an opening to jackie brown with a, a song playing which in this case was across 110th street in the jackie brown movie a song i never heard before that movie yeah that was the other thing i was thinking was tarantino <laughs> yeah. and and that with an yeah that yeah. was that was really good. Uh, but And then I was thinking, is it Tarantino? I was like, it's more Edgar Wright than Tarantino to me. Hmm. But, hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then when it goes past that, then it goes into James Gunn territory. <laughs> now we're getting even more modern. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's, a, it's a good song. I, I, I quite agree. like it. I like it quite a bit. I would watch that movie, whatever the movie is. <laughs> Come on, Edgar Wright. Uh, get over Last Night in Soho. Um, did you? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, enjoyed it. Did you not see it, or did you see? I it? saw. And you did not care for it. That was okay. Okay, that was okay. So this movie you're watching and kind of going, "Who's this for? <laughs> Who's this movie for?" All right, so we're from 1968. Let's go up to 1984 with another obscureish group. This is a an Aberdeen group, Aberdeen, uh, the city of granite, and uh, they're called the Jasmine Minks. And the song is uh, "Where Does the Traffic Go." Mm-hmm. And this came out in 1984. This is a single 1984. Actually, it's one of the... 84? F- yeah. It does not sound like a... You don't think so? I thought very, very 84. Very 80s. Okay. But uh, one of the first acts signed to Creation Records. Who, of course, later would hit it big with uh, Oasis. But at this okay. time, uh, a, a small concern. But uh, this is this is that song. Where, where does the traffic go? Let's give it a listen, everybody. Don't know where we can go. Where the traffic goes? Where the traffic goes? Give me 
And we're back. And uh, so, where would you where would you ping that song in terms of its? Uh, no, I mean it reminded me of like uh, going to uh, like we when I was growing up we had a, a hippie house behind us. Okay, you know, with uh, long suffering parents. <laughs> and uh, when I went in, that was sound like the kind of thing that would okay. be playing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, this is a this is the eighties group, kind of uh, post post punk, post post punk, kind of entering into the what was called the C eighty six. Mm. era which was a lot of guitar groups uh with not necessarily the greatest singers but kind of playing fast maybe maybe they're influenced by the postcard scene as well in, in scotland that was postcard okay. records which is where like um uh the groups like um now that i can't now that i said that i can't remember the names of any groups from that orange juice okay orange juice would be a group from that time period and other other groups uh roddy Mc, roddy frame with Aztec camera Groups like that, those those were kind of big at the time. And I think they're kind of drawing from that and, and sort of... And there was like a movement in the 80s and it was kind of encapsulated on a compilation in, in, in NME magazine, a new musical express called C86. We're referring to like the cassette, uh, you know, and so that kind of became the the, the, the name of that uh, musical movement. But anyway, that's what that's what I kind of picture them being okay. part of. But I, you know, they, I'm sure they drew from because there's a lot of twelve string guitar being played. So I'm sure they drew from like the birds and stuff as well. All right, song number three. Alrighty, song number three. This is uh, another '60s song. This is from 1969. This is the Classics Four, mm-hmm. who originally were the Classics. Who are these Classics Four? Who are these Classics Four? Indeed. And then someone uh, there's another group that said, "Hey, we're the Classics first. Oh, and they went. Oh, well, there's four of us, so let's be the classics four. And then, so we're the classics two. No, you're also. <laughs> <laughs> and their lead singer was a guy named Dennis Yost, who is one of those rare things, which is a, a singing drummer, oh. which you don't see very often. But it's this happened. See a Phil Collins. Phil Collins would be uh, Mickey Dolenz would yeah. be an example one if he actually played the drums. Uh, uh, what's that guy from uh, the Eagles that I don't like? Uh, Drummy Joe. Drummy Joe. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. I don't know the Eagles by name. Not Don Felder. Not Glenn Fry. Don Henley. Don Henley. Don Henley, yeah. Don Henley. He was Don, a, Don of the Dead. He was a singing drummer. Okay. One of those weird things like where the drummer is a really good singer. Karen Carpenter would be an example of a singing okay. drummer as well. Really good singer. And everyone's like, well, maybe you shouldn't play drums. And they're like, but I like playing the drums. I know, but when you're playing, your voice is... Dating. But anyway, so yeah. Uh, let's listen to Classics uh, 4 with a song. Bad Traffic from their 1969 oh, album. I, I got Traces. Traffic. I got traffic. Oh, Traffic Jam. Sorry, Traffic Jam. That's right, Traffic Jam. Okay. Uh, for the 1969 album, Traces. Here we go. Listen to the noisy automobile. Traffic jam Honking their horns And spinning their wheels In the traffic jam We are so lucky to be Just sipping here Sipping our tea While we look out From our window in the sky Honk, honk, beep, beep. Hey, buddy, move that heat. Honk, honk, beep, beep. 
is where he's actually saying honk honk beep beep <laughs> yeah it's great honk honk beep beep yeah honk honk beep beep yeah yeah it's good and what's f- funny is that there's a tommy Rowe version of this song as well but i prefer this one i thought they're uh, i like the singing and the instrumentation better okay let's go to song number four and here's a band that i i love very much this is from 1982 the band is xtc this is their their double album their first double album. Did they do another double album? I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe Oranges and Lemons, which was a I CD. I don't think that was a. But it's a CD, a but it would have. It's probably like double album length. But who All right. knows? But okay. Who knows? I did have that one, but I didn't. Uh, I never had the. Did I have the record for that? I think I had the record. I can't remember now. Yeah. And I can't investigate. I don't think it was too. Because all my darn records are in the. Uh, in storage. But you know what? With with English Settlement, in England it was a double album. In the United, in the United States and Canada, it was a single album. They edited the double album down to a single album because they they thought this they thought it was too sprawling, mm. too sprawling. But the problem with that is you lost a song like Yacht Dance, which is a great song, and kind of reminiscent of this song, okay. which is English Roundabout. Right. As I said from the album English Settlement, this is uh, XTC. This is the Colin Moulding song. Everyone, let's give it a listen. Yep.
and we're back. That's my favorite of the bunch. It's so fantastic. Yeah. That the guitar is in it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Just this poppin'. This it almost great. makes me like English roundabouts. And listen, I know there's certain drivers who are like, the roundabout is I great. love roundabouts. I know, I know. The people who love a roundabout will go on about a roundabout yeah, yeah. the way people go on about XTC. Yeah. You know. I love uh yeah, I love this song. It's uh, one of my favorites. And it was on the it was on the edited version of the album, the single album version, which I have both. Later on I found the double and bought it because I wanted to hear more songs by XTC, which somehow the record label didn't understand. Come on, record label. Virgin America. <laughs> Idiots. Um okay. That's why they're still virgins, by the way. Because <laughs> they're Because they're not cool. Yeah. They're not yeah, cool. They're too dumb. Yep. Yeah. Too dumb to get laid. <laughs> I guess Richard Branson, too dumb to... Yeah. Okay. He's never had sex. Really? No, he has to change the label title if he does. It's just too much work. <laughs> it's too much work. So all he does is just like, you know, when a lady goes like, I'd like to make love to you. It's like, all right, instead, you get on me back. <laughs> and uh, we're windsurfing. We're windsurfing. Wind <laughs> and it's like, okay, all right, but but I'd really like to make love. Okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to get to a rocket. We're just going to float around a bit. Yeah. yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> that's Richard Branson. Yeah. It sold me. Yeah. Uh, so the fifth song is probably the Which most... Which is it, because it's top five. It's top five. Which is probably the most well-known song of the bunch, I would say. All right. This is uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yep. With... Okay. Crosstown Traffic. From... Yeah. His album, Electric Ladyland. Right. With... Yeah. It's shocking cover of Naked Ladies. Okay. Uh, not Which in, Richard Branson goes, not, all right, what we're going to do, we're gonna put you <laughs> gonna do? Put on a Jimi Hendrix cover, <laughs> and I'm just going to buy the album, and I'm going to play it three times, <laughs> and then I'm just going to walk out of the building and never go back. <laughs> um, it was only in England, was it, that that cover, though? Yeah. In, in, uh, here in North America, we got a, a kind of a solarized image of him looking, soul, like, looking uh, like he's playing his guitar and his nice. head back and looking cool. But uh, it's not my favorite album. It's a little talk about sprawling. Yeah, it goes on. Yeah, it. Oh my, you go on, Mr. Hendrix. But uh, this song is this song and along the all on the Watchtower, like these two little like nuggets of like precision and concision. You know, the sort of thing that Chaz Chandler wanted him to do, but he wouldn't because he's like, no, I'm an artist, man. I'm gonna do seven minute long songs. But anyhow, this is uh, cross on track for everybody from Electric Lady Land from 1969, uh, named after the studios that he built in New York. Yeah. Let's give it a listen. Yeah. You're just like 
And we're back. Yes, we are. There you go. Great song. What do you know what's great about this song? Tell me what's great about the song. The piano in it. There you go. The piano is so fantastic because it's it's played very simply. It's just basically just playing notes, like the single notes. But it's the effects on it are such that it really makes this cool uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to call it, like a sort of weird sort of growing sound. And it fades again. And oh, it goes, it's really kind of nice. Cool. Because it's actually probably more important in the song than the guitar. And it's Jimi Hendrix. There you are. I, uh, I'm not the biggest Jimi Hendrix fan. As I've... in, like, I'm, I'm not a Jimi Hendrix fan. <laughs> so you didn't like the song very much? Nah, that's, that's fine. Like, yeah. here's what I say. Bring on the monkeys. That's what I say. <laughs> you're, I'm a heathen. You're, you're one of those, those uh, teeny boppers who are screaming yeah. for the monkeys while yeah. he's playing. Pleasant Valley Sunday! Oh, <laughs> Pleasant Valley Sunday, you. Um, yeah. He was an interesting cat. I, I like Jimi Hendrix a lot. Good. Not as much as I used to. Lots of people do. When I was a teenager, I, am, I was really I am way into, on the outside on this one. I tried to learn to play his songs, which turns out are very hard to do unless you have a lot of patience, which I don't. Not for guitar. And a lot of fingers. And a lot of fingers. And big long fingers. Yeah. And but yeah, I really liked him. You know what? I think he's a I think he's kind of disappearing. As a as like a musical hmm. like as a like like there's some you know how like over time things will disappear. Sometimes they disappear for a bit and come back. Maybe you know? that might happen, but I feel like yeah, something like Hendrix, that kind of guitar rock, guitar god kind of stuff. I think is kind of has there ever been day. a movie about him? Well, they were going to make one, but I don't think they've ever have made a movie about that Hendrix. That feels weird. Like it the Hendrix like estate this... is very dysfunctional, mm. and there's been a lot of infighting and stuff over the years over his music, the rights, music rights. What they're going to put out, how much they'll put out, et cetera, et cetera. There's been a lot of that. And so I think that's kind of got in the way of, of uh, you know, doing that, sort of, like having actual biopic. Yeah, it's just very strange. Like, it's strange, like, of all the people that have had biopics and yeah. it's like, and Hendrix has never had a biopic? Like, it's yeah. very weird. Yeah. I think if you're going to do a biopic of Hendrix, the best thing that to do would be to have him playing like an unknown in New York clubs, which is what was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy James and the Blue Flames and stuff like that. And then have... Chaz Chandler, ex of the ex of the animals, bass player in the animals, discover him and bring him to England, where he became a sensation. You know, he couldn't make it in America, but he brought yeah. him to England, and suddenly he was like the biggest thing in the world, and everyone was madly in love with him, and decided he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he made you know two killer albums there, you know, Are You Experienced, and then Axis Bold as Love, plus all the singles that ended up on on the the greatest hits album, and and then end it. End it at his Monterey performance. That's where the movie stops. Okay. His triumphant return to the United States. You know, like a show-stopping, crazy performance, burning his his guitar light, Mm -hmm. the whole thing. That's where you end it. You don't want to go on to when he got bored of playing music and he was... He just started taking drugs and goofing around and, you know, died. Like, that, that, that stuff is not important. You want to end on, like, the, the greatest moment of his life, which is his triumphant return to the United States at Monterey. You know, that was a big, big deal for him. I think that would be the. I think that would be a good movie. Okay, but no I, one's gonna listen to me. Okay, I'm gonna say this: animate it, better animate it. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool because yeah. you could, especially do the Axis Bold as Love cover and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool to. There's so much you can do. Yeah, yeah. Do Even that. our experience, the cover for that is pretty cool too. The do it, do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I know I said it was top five. Yeah, and uh, you're a man of your words, so. I am I'm going to clear out all the set. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not a man of my word. Strip it down. Strip it down. <laughs> I'm not a man of my word. Burn it all. I'm a big fat liar. Okay. And, uh, and I have one more song. And the theme, yeah, it'd be funny to do a theme of big fat liars. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so, 
this is uh this is the last song. I just you know what? I wanted to play this song, and then if I don't play it, I'll never play it again. Like there's never gonna be an opportunity to play like more bad traffic songs. So we're gonna listen to one more song. All right. This is Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass. And this song is from 1949, everybody. This is called uh, Heavy Traffic Ahead. Okay. From 1949. Here we go. On Saturday night when our work is done, we load up. Every traffic over here. Every traffic over here. We got to ramble, ramble. Every traffic over here. We pull out of Nashville. Feels like it would fit well on the Muppets. Sure, I can see the the their country uh, mm-hmm. group. Yeah, the one that's got the character that looks like uh, Jim Henson. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? He is the father of bluegrass, so it is kind of it is kind of uh, named after the bluegrass of Kentucky. Which, if you listen to horse uh, horse mysteries, you'll know how important bluegrass is. Because Lisa has talked about it this on is, that show. This has all just been plugs for horse <laughs> mysteries. We started off the show and it was all like, uh, hey, you know, we're wandering around BC. Oh, that sounds interesting. And it's, it's all about horses. And it keeps going. Horses are an important part of our life. Yeah. Now, by the way, if the drummer for Kiss was a horse, I would have been fine with that. You would have been okay with that? Yeah. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to make up as a horse, though. 
Okay. You don't you're just gonna right. make, make an indifferent gesture. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like, a good challenge. A cat a cat is easy. That is the problem. Cat is it's easy. too easy. Too easy. Too easy. All right. Well I hope everyone enjoyed Bill Monroe's mandolin playing. He's pretty good at it. All right. It sounds like it's time for me to get out the old mailbag. Dave. Get out the old mailbag, sir. All right. We just got a last minute uh, Edward Dragansky uh, letter <laughs> on the uh, email. Yeah. Uh, seconds ago. Seconds ago. So, so we still need to refresh. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to go before we uh, deal with a uh, deal with. Uh, uh, delightful to have these letters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get all this stuff uh, over. Deal with, with this shit. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to de- we're going to uh, talk about. A uh, letter from uh, episode three hundred and uh, five hundred and thirty-seven, and uh, that would be uh, we were asking about like, do you have an interesting story about your name, and uh, who's your favorite or the best villain in literature? Oh boy, howdy! All great answers we had yeah. to that. And now, oh my gosh, uh, popping up a little bit late, but there is no too late. Uh, Marcus uh, Harwell writes. Um, uh, since I am apparently incapable of commenting in a timely way, I have a couple of thoughts on this episode that I noticed several days ago. All right, well, let's have a listen to that. Okay. In T.H. White, uh, our, T.H. White's Arthurian, 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 boy, that's hard to say, <laughs> mythos, Sword in the Stone, uh, being the first part, Merlin uh, doesn't change Arthur into animals for kicks, because we were talking about in the movie The Sword in the Stone. And sexy squirrels. We went on a little too long about sexy squirrels. Uh, he, he does it to <laughs> no teach him a specific lesson in uh, empathy, ethics, etc. Uh, he'll need to understand when he's king. My mom was a fan and bought the Book of Merlin when it came out in 1977. To preteen me, the gorgeous illustrations of familiar characters were irresistible, and I've got some indelible memories of it, especially how spectacularly alien the ant culture seemed when Arthur became one. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not to be confused with Arthur and the Ants. Unfortunately, the Disney movie is more about uh, making doing goof ups and not uh, being moral lessons. Yeah, which I, I know that's what what Th White was doing, but the the movie does not really uh, does not really uh, bear too closely to the novels. Unfortunately, yeah, I know you're saying bear as a reference to the the book, the bear. Oh. Uh, my top villains are all. Oh, sorry, my headcanon for Peanuts is <laughs> that Peppermint Patty is a lesbian. Marcy is by and I I'm on, that too. Marcy is by and I'm on board with her uh, on board with her and Chuck dating. And Schroeder is asexual. Mm. But it'll all shake out in later years, <laughs> uh, which they'll never get to because, well, peanuts. Yes. That's true. Unless of course you read Mad Magazine, which gets you do get to see what they're like as adults. Sure. This is kind of sad. Uh, my top <laughs> villains are almost all anti-villains, but I've got a top five for both they and regular types. Okay. Best anti-villains. Okay. The Creature, from Frankenstein. Sure. Fagin, uh, Ron Mooney's uh, version in Oliver the Musical. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I like Fagin. The first uh, play I ever did was Oliver. I was um, uh, Charlie Bates. Master Bates? Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, that was his name. And I worked for Fagin. Uh, and i do anything for him. All right, uh, number three, Long John Silver. Number two, Lord uh, Vet... Inari, Betinari, from Discworld, Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Don't know it. Barely a villain, probably. And number <laughs> one, Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons. Uh, I love Albert Brooks. Yep. Written him many times. A few favorite standard villains, unordered. A Grand Ab- Admiral Thrawn, uh, Star Wars. He is cultured and deadly smart. It's hard not to find him compelling. The Mighty Monarch from Venture Brothers, one of the few almost capable villains in the series, <laughs> mostly undone by his myopic, obsessive hatred. 
Professor Moriarty, the Star Trek The Next Generation version. I see. Dangerously capable. The only way to outsmart him is to exploit his ignorance of technology. And oh, so much fun to watch him effortlessly keep stepping ahead of everyone else. And finally, Mr. Dark from... Mr. Dark from... From what? What's Mr. Dark from? I don't you know? Don't know. That would be uh, Jonathan Price's character in Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, never saw it. Which had... Oh, Dave. <laughs> I would advise you to watch that if it's on Disney Plus for free. Okay. It's uh, it's very good visuals. Mm. Uh, it's good. It's a good story. I didn't even know Jonathan Price was in it. That's a good parole. parole yeah, film. that's a. And you, is he like the leader, the, the sort of the ringmaster of, of this? the of the carnival? Okay. Pa- pandemonium carnival. Yeah. I do remember like the trailer and things. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got the boys tattooed on his hands. He has a what? Boys' uh, faces tattooed on his hands. I'm looking for these boys. Oh, okay. Opens up the hands. And oh. Shows the faces. Like oh. Uh, and you know it's a Bradbury story and all that, right? Yeah, I yeah, it's yeah, Bradbury. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Hmm. Um, one of my all-time favorite posters by David Grove. Yeah, it's a great poster. So we're saying dar- uh, dashing, charming, terrifying, ruthless. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, sounds okay. interesting. Now we're going to move on to... Thank you, Marcus, for your Thank response. you, Marcus. If I'm not saying thank you, I apologize for my lack of thank yous. Uh, I'm a You're bad You're teching over there. I'm, I'm filling in. I am teching. Teching hard. I'm looking at my uh, iPad and just watching the juice drain out of it. Um, <laughs> it's secondhand. Uh, so our questions last week was, what was something you were obsessed with when you were young? And what literary character is your hero or heroine? So here we go. Uh, Nina Matsumoto. Um, uh, there we go. Uh, writes, I already talked to you about this in person. But let me put that down this in writing. Oh, this was something that was also uh, from our show. Okay. Uh, Bob, that is her husband, Bob Mackey of the uh, Talking Simpsons and many other podcasts, once complained to me, no one in Canada ever asked me what I do for a living and no one talks about what they do. Why is that? He's used to being asked, what do you do as a conversation starter and (laughs) has struggled with socializing here due to the lack of prompts. Uh, because he doesn't want to blurt out of nowhere, I'm a podcaster. Uh, I don't see my, I don't see it as a rude question at all. I'm not asking to compare or find out people's salaries. Most people's lives are occupied with their jobs, so I'm genuinely curious what they do, even if it's not something creative. Even jobs that can be considered uh, mundane are interesting to me because I get to learn about what the people behind the scenes do to keep the world running, even in the smallest of ways. Uh, everyone is important. Someone has to do data entry on irrigation pipes. Also, I wanted to say uh, the notion that uh, this was another thing we're talking about, that abuse needs to come with active malicious intent or physical assault is not great. And it's uh, and it's how many people, especially parents, but also employers end up getting away with being abusive. So thank you for your comments on that. I'm going to say the um, the thing about I was thinking about the job thing, and I don't think it's necessarily being condescending about someone, you know, like uh, your job isn't important. But I what, when I'm having a conversation with someone and you're trying to start a conversation, yeah. I go through my head of like, what would you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, what are sensitive topics and how many people like the job they do? You know, what's what's the percentage of that? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people who don't like their job. So bringing up their job might just put it into a bad spot unless they've open that door a little bit with something where they're talking about what they're doing. Yeah. But to a lot of yeah. people, a job is a job. It's just what you have to do. And so it's like, mm-hmm. mm. you know, it's like, uh, oh, what's your relationship like with your parents? You know, <laughs> wouldn't crack that egg. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I sure it's I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine in conversation. It's just a question. I we're talking our personal. I mean, we're talking about ourselves when we're talking about these things. We're not. I don't think we're making general rules for polite for, for polite society. And I just personally, I find it uh, insupportable to be asked what I do for a living. Personally, insupportable in what way? So I just can't stand it. You don't like being asked? No, I can't okay. stand it. I, I would say personally, like I, you know, that's nothing. And I mean, I'll answer the question. Someone asks me, I don't walk away from them or think yeah. of, think of them less as a human being. I just don't enjoy answering that question. Yeah, uh, you know, and you know why? Yeah. I mean, it's weird, you know, like a good thing for you actually is to be talking about your daughters, which it would be a weird thing to ask most people about because a lot of people have strange relationships with their families. Mm. So but it's like, oh, okay, I got to listen to Dave's talking about his daughters <laughs> in a positive way. Yeah. That's probably what I should bring, bring up. Okay, yeah. here we go. And it was another interesting thing that uh, Nina, who is the third dragon, Nina Matsumoto, uh, illustrator of the book uh, Sparks Future Perfect, out uh, April 5th, um, uh, was mentioning that I think Bob said uh, where uh, people have hobbies here mm. and uh, less so in the States. And I think a lot of that comes down to health care. I think there's, there's a real thing of just like when you don't have to constantly be worried about what survival yeah. and your job is survival you know it's like if we if things go really bad i can always go to the emergency route if things are really bad in the states you're screwed and you're going to lose everything <laughs> so jobs are very very important uh to to talk about and the idea of like having hobbies what do you mean you've got spare time <laughs> um yeah it's uh i think it comes down to a history of healthcare, and you know you got a little wiggle room to you know, uh, find something that is your interest that you can put your time towards that, uh, you know, uh, isn't necessarily about you keeping a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. But that's my theory. I don't know. You guys, you guys uh, talk much yourselves. Uh, Crystal <laughs> writes, uh, Elizabeth Bennett is my favorite fictional heroine. Uh, even before I read that she and I have the same uh, Meyer Briggs. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice is one of, if not the book I've uh, read multiple times over, or at least it ties with Frankenstein in mm, rereads. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, who would a, win in a it's fight? It's endlessly be- fun to read. Who would win in a fight between the creature and Elizabeth Bennett? Bennett. Okay, very good. Uh, I admire Elizabeth because she is playful and good-natured and being confident and absolutely loyal. She places value on people based on character, even when her perception and pride (laughs) causes her assessment to be incorrect because of her prejudices. Uh, That's what I just said. So also uh, realizes uh, when she has done wrong and tries to correct her mistakes. I have to agree with Dave. Oh. Uh, Being obsessed with things such as music does not make you a narcissist. Uh, that's, obs- that's good. Good news. <laughs> good. Obsession to the point uh, that you know every minuscule fact about something and you only care about that topic falls more in line with a, high, a tendency of high-functioning autism than it does narcissism. Mm. That said, having a tendency doesn't mean you have a condition. Well done. Um, most of the sneaky party falls in the gifted range of intelligence and occasionally indicate fixation on some topics, but obsessive interests are also a phase of normal human development and growth. In fact, it would be more abnormal for someone to have never obsessed or obtained significant knowledge about a topic. If I remember correctly from an abnormal psychology college course, only 6% of the population have never fixated on any topic. Though I bet if you told them that, they would fixate on that, and then they would (laughs) reduce that number. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's called a paradox. Uh, so is a so are two doctors. <laughs> we we have fun here. 
Um, as far as uh, this week's question about uh, prior obsession, I was that stereotypical teenage girl with posters of my favorite bands plastered all over my bedroom walls. Except instead of having posters of bands like Whitesnake or New Kids on the Block, my bedroom walls were decorated with the Beatles and the Monkees obsession. That's great. Uh, my allowance uh, was spent towards purchasing albums, books, movies, posters, collectibles, just anything I could find at record stores and thrift shops. Like other teenage nerd fangirls, I absorbed and parroted back uh, minuscule trivia to the point that I was probably annoying. <laughs> In this week's episode, as the definition of a narcissist was read, both Dave and Ian worried about being a possible narcissist. Please well, let we do, me... We do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, please let me reassure you that neither of you are narcissists. Here is the litmus test. If you question and worry about if you might be a narcissist, then you are not. That is also the sociopath test. Uh, a narcissist doesn't see anything wrong with his or herself. If you have ever taken another person's feelings into consideration or worried you might hurt their feelings, then you are not a narcissist. A narcissist can do no wrong, and only narcissist feelings are the only valid feelings. David and Ian, you both exhibit compassion and empathy. You are not narcissists. Uh, we all have <laughs> egos. Uh, some are larger egos than others, and even ha but even on the ego spectrum, there is a clinical difference between a superego and a narcissist. What? There we go. And uh, can we all, uh, can we just call this post, I agree with Dave? Well, I don't like how this is going at all. Dave is completely right. Oh, man, you don't know how hard this is going to make it for me later. Uh, because I agree with Dave. Yeah, all right. Paul McCartney is not a narcissist. He said, well, it sounds like you're not prejudiced about this. With all those posters. He sees himself as a common person. And has often been caught by the press riding and falling asleep on public trains. Well, that could be narcolepsy more than okay. Funnily enough, it, the, uh, he's late at the, for the first day of shooting of, of the of Get Back of Let It Be film because he took the bus. He took him oh. took the public to public transport. A narcissist wants only the very best, and public transit would be beneath a narcissist who can afford uh, to be chauffeured around. Paul expresses empathy in his songs from writing Hey Jude in an effort to comfort Julian Lennon during his parents' divorce to showing care for others in his Who Cares song. Paul's also a vegetarian because of concern with the feelings of animals. I see a lot of positivity, empathy, and joy in his songs, and art is an expression of cre the creator. Can we just call this post, I don't agree with Dave. <laughs> oh, I do like where this is going. Wait a second, this took a terrible turn. No, you're going to like this. It does go well for okay. you. Dave isn't Phew. a failure. Remember, oh. John Lennon said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Ian is absolutely right. This is really going well. Uh, <laughs> Dave has done a wonderful job with his daughters. Each week, he comes across as a warm, authentic, a warm, authentic and supportive of those around him and willing to help those he cares about. After all, how many husbands would be so supportive to help a wife create the number one bi-weekly Canadian horse mystery podcast? <laughs> he also uh, tries to see the situation from both sides of the story, which means he brings a wealth of perspective in his commentary. With the exception of narcissists, we all carry guilt and insecurities through life, but Dave is persevering and making a positive impact on the world around him. Sometimes smaller acts have larger impact in making the world a better place, even though it is normal to want to see uh, big, flashier results of serving a greater purpose. And finally, <laughs> whenever Dave lingers on his feelings, perhaps he should ask himself, what is success? And what will it look like when success is reached? If, if you don't forget to take care of yourself while you're busy spinning lots of plates that allow you... Don't forget. 
to take care of yourself while you're busy spinning lots of plates that allow you to take care of others. I hope the upcoming week is better for you than last week. Seriously, guys, it's going to be all right. <laughs> That's nice. That's very nice. Thank you, Chris. I just want to say, when I'm talking about, I feel I'm just talking about my job, like my, what I dreamed of doing where I am. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm a failure as a father. I don't think I'm a failure as a husband. I don't think I'm, my life is a failure. I think my life is great. So I just want to say that just so people don't think I'm like some sort okay. of, Walking around feeling bad all the time. No, I'm a happy person and I enjoy I enjoy things. In fact, I got a I got a little bit of a promotion at work this week. So Oh cool. Yeah. Got brought into the office, which <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think they were gonna fire me, to be honest, but uh that seemed kind of unlikely when I think about it now, but you just can't help but worry. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, we're just making some changes, we're moving on. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did I do? I know it was away last week, but uh Jeez, maybe I, maybe I gave the, maybe we don't need Dave. Anyway, but no, I got a bit of a, I'm already kind of doing it, but now it's official that I'm doing it. I'm I'm going to be taking on more responsibilities in in the area that I've been doing a lot of stuff in the last little while. So yeah, it's nice. It was nice. It was nice to get some compliments, you know, they're like, uh, (laughs) it's kind of funny because my branch manager's like, um, well, let me, let me be honest here. Um, And he said something, you know, and then my, uh, the warehouse manager said, Said, yeah, I just want to, you know, uh, you know, just be, you know, totally honest and say, bubble and he made sent some compliments about me. And I said, well, as long as we're putting our cards on the table, uh, I just want to say, well, actually, I don't have anything to say. I just want to <laughs> try to join in, but I have nothing, uh, you know, my cards are always on the table, really. So, you know, but yeah, you know, it was nice. There were a lot of compliments from oh, my, that's great. My, my performance there and stuff. Yeah, it was nice to hear. So smart on their part, too. Know what you got. Know what you got. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Yes, sir. It feels like we've gone, uh, I don't know, like at least 10 minutes without plugging your Horse Mysteries podcast. <laughs> I don't think so. We just, we just heard. We did. Crystalis plugged it Two for minutes. <laughs> well, looks like it's time for a letter from the co-host of the Horse Mysteries podcast. <laughs> Hooray, my Lisa. Life. Yeah. Uh, when I was young, Trixie Belden was my literary hero. She lived a uh, life similar to mine that I, where I could strongly identify with it. But she also possessed qualities I felt I lacked. So she was always a person I admired. There you go. Yeah. That's from the... the girls love Trixie Belden as well. Co-host of the Horse Mysteries podcast. Kind, um, kind of a forgotten character. Nancy Drew is the is the winner of that particular battle of the the junior from, detective From what girls. I can tell about the TV show, there's ghosts and I don't like it. What? Nancy Drew. Oh, Nancy Drew? Yeah, there's ghosts. Hmm. That's not the version I like. The version I like is one with Emma... Emma something. Emma. Okay. Can't remember her name. Anyway, it's really great. The reason it's really great mm-hmm. is... That she does not change who she is. Oh, I thought she does not change her To clothes. become popular. Oh, good, good. In fact, there's a scene in the film I really like where these two kind of meanish girls from school. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. They take her to a clothing store yeah. so that she can get dressed and be like, you know, dressed properly instead of wearing her old-fashioned dresses and stuff like that. Because she makes her own dresses, but they're fantastic. And uh, the owner of the dress shop is like, you look great. Where do you where do you get these clothes from? These are fun. So 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 good. Yeah, that, you know, surely, I do know that one. Yeah, yeah it's a fun. It's a fun uh, fun film. I like it quite a bit. We lost it. We had it on DVD. Then we lost it. But then we found it on, at Valley Village. Right? Okay. Yeah, we found it at Valley Village a while ago. So we were very pleased to have it back in our collection. Excellent. Yeah, she shouldn't be uh, with ghosts. No, that doesn't make any sense. It no. shouldn't be real ghosts. It should no. be a fake ghost, like Scooby Doo ghosts. Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo shouldn't have real ghosts. Either. Yeah, yeah. All right, Louise uh, Moon, who is uh, our uh, good friend, uh, writes, 
When I was young, I was obsessed with reading. I was never without a stack of books uh, from the library. When I was older, I started to chain read books. When I finished one, I'd start uh, another, even though it was well past midnight. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And I get a big headache in the morning. Uh, these days, I juggle several books at once. Right now, I'm partly through an anthology of sci-fi novellas, <laughs> an urban fantasy novel, a book of poetry, a book about uh, the Finnish approach to wellness, uh, and an abridged version of The Count of Monte Cristo. Speaking of juggling, I learned how to do do it, so I'm sure Dave can too, given the <laughs> manual dexterity that is uh, he has honed through many hours of smash ball and coloring between the lines. Thank you. Speaking of which... Uh, it's spike ball? Nope, smash ball. Uh, speaking of which... Triggered over here. Smash burgers and smash ball. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, as a colorist, I'm sure Dave knows the grass is not always greener on the other side of the artistic fence. Especially if by green, you mean money. Which we do not in Canada, because our money is not green. Except for the money that is green. Uh, if you are a freelancer, <laughs> yes. you never know where your next job is coming from. If you are a paid employee in the artistic field, your work is going to be judged by someone else's subjective opinion. And uh, if you don't deliver, you are let go. Working a steady job and doing creative projects on the side may not be uh, as fulfilling personally, but it's a good way to keep your bank account filled so you can support yourself and a family. And I'm not sure That's if you true. mentioned All You Need Is Love when you were talking about songs that don't have a regular time signature. Mm. Uh, when I was learning it for a fundraiser concert, I was always coming in a bit late during the verse. I had to uh, take another look at the sheet music to figure out why. The term our choir is, uh, this term our choir is doing a song called One Voice by the Waylon Jennies, which switches between 4-4 four, four, and 3-4 time. The melody is syncopated as well, so that makes it even trickier. <laughs> Songs with irregular timing are always fun for the listener. They defeat your expectation of a steady beat, so they keep your ears on their toes. <laughs> that I can see like why she's a writer. Around. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, yeah, I did think about All You Need Is Love, but Happiness Is A Warm Gun is a crazier example of, of uh, time signature uh, mix-em-ups. John H. Right. John H. To say, hello, gentlemen. Hello, John. Just a quick note. I have lots to say about this week's questions, but I'm getting ready to leave town in the morning for a conference. I'm going to deliver a paper to a bunch of other literature nerds. My first in-person conference since before the plague, so I have to catch up with these speakers next week. Uh, be well, all you lovely people. Goodbye, John. So that's John. I assumed he was just heading out the door. When yeah, he he's that. reading that. His, his fingers... Barely touching the keys as he just yeah. finished the last of the. And then Edward Draganski. Well, take take care, John, and, and thanks, good, John. Good luck at your at your concert. Safe trip. Edward Draganski writes, "I'm in the same boat as John above. Well, uh, not really. Uh, I'm not in a boat. Uh, I'm not <laughs> leaving town. I'm delivering papers to nerds. Uh, this week did go away, get away from me though. I, I, I've been busy redesigning some Red Bubble stuff for Apple's TV show Severance. Ooh, really enjoying that Succession. Show. Nope, Severance. <laughs> it has been uh, sorry." It's about Severance Snape. Do you know Severance? No, is it really called Severance? I read it. Yeah, as, Severance I, is one of the best shows on TV. Oh, right I read it now. as Succession. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, what is Severance? Who's in that? Uh, who's in that? Christopher Walken is in that. Um, who was the actor who was in Barton Fink? John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro's in there, uh, and a guy who was one of the leads in uh, Parks and Rec, uh, whose name escapes me, but he's uh, great. And the concept behind it is there's a workplace, mm -hmm. and when you go to this workplace. Uh, you, you do the severance program, and the program uh, separates your brain, basically, so that you don't remember anything that happens at work in your regular life, and you don't remember anything that happens in regular life in your work. Okay. And we switch back and forth between these uh, two 
worlds. Huh. And it's uh, very good. And also there's a fella who's uh, in it who my wife has done a uh, fake talk show with uh, who is in uh, the Spider-Man movies. And he's the guy who goes, hey, Spider-Man, do a flip. That guy. He's in it. Okay. He's amazing in it. Huh. Yeah, it's on Apple TV. It's one of the best. Is it Nick Offerman? No. No, it's just a guy Adam who... Adam Scott? No. Oh, Adam Scott. That's okay. right. Yeah. Uh, he's great. Oh, and yeah, he's uh, uh, Rebecca... Sorry. Um, Patricia Arquette. Oh, yeah. Is also in it. And she's, she's great in it as well. It's hmm. a really, really good show. We don't have Apple right now. We have to wait till the Well, next, I next guess season, someone's not going to watch it. The then. next season of... Uh, of Ted Lasso will get it. Okay. Yeah. And then you'll watch it and you'll I'll go, Ian, you're right. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, it has been quite an, it has uh, quite an audience and it's been very mind bindingly awesome. I will say I enjoyed the new season of Upload. Uh, yeah, I did too. Uh, I'll uh, try to get something in tomorrow from work when my overlords are looking elsewhere. <laughs> if I don't have a great week, all good things. You too, Ed. Uh, Mick. Right. Mick. Hello, Mick. Just in the mick of time. Just <laughs> throw another shrimp on the Barbie, would you please? Yeah, Mick. What are that is throw some seafood on a doll. Please. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for another great show. Uh, when episode uh, 537 was late, I was worried that Dave had been crushed under a collapsed bathroom or that Ian had been stripped to the bone by a swarm of aggressive squirrels. <laughs> I apologize. Well, that is what that old woman said was going to We do like to be, we do like to try to be uh, punctual. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to everyone who has inquired where I am. None of your damn business. Oh, wait, no, he didn't say that. Uh, I am here, always listening, sometimes commenting if the week doesn't get away from me, which it frequently does. Yes. I've had so many obsessions as a kid of the 70s and 80s. Anything that could be collected via a cereal box had me hooked. At the age of six, I was obsessed with collecting Smurfs, which at the time mm. were only sold in Australia at BP, British Petroleum, petrol stations. Uh, my parents must have hated driving us anywhere, as I would be on the eagle-eyed lookout for the BP petrol or gas station. If I saw one ahead, I would scream, Dad! Mom! BP! BP! In the hope that they would stop and buy me a Smurf. Mm. They cost 85 cents, and I managed to collect about 50, yeah. uh, which uh, were happily passed on to my kids decades later. That's awesome. That's a lot of shrimps. I, I, shrimps, I collected them uh, from Kinder, Kinder Surprise. For a while, they had them in their... Their eggs. Let me ask you this, Mick. Uh, when you think of what Gargamel wants to do with the Smurfs, yeah. what do you think he wants to do? Do you think he wants to eat them or turn them into gold? I think he wants to... I think they're, he needs them for a potion. What, and is that to turn things into gold? I'm not sure. Maybe. Because I've heard of two things. One, you yeah. eat them. Uh, they help them to make gold. I think Azrael wants to eat them. Hmm. The cat. But I think... I think If I remember the first story that, that uh, Gargamel is... Uh, Needs him. They're in like a. He's doing a spell, and, and gotcha. one of the things in the spell. At the age of six, oh, sorry. Uh, my Smurf obsession segued into uh, so many other obsessions over the years, including Star Wars, Tintin, and the Beatles, which led me uh, here in the end. <laughs> Is checking my phone every half hour on a Sunday a sign that I'm obsessed with listening to this podcast? <laughs> as far as literary characters, I related to uh, many of the cast of Peanuts. I think I got my moral standards from Tintin. Though, if someone offers me money, I rarely headbutt them in the stomach. <laughs> That is all. 
Edward is back. Oh, Ed. Getting a bit more specific uh, than saying I was obsessed with Star Wars or comics when I was young, my mind had the urge uh, to see what my favorite comic characters would look like if they existed in my world and not on the printed page. A few illustrators back in the day would take a stab at making a nightcrawler or thing look completely realistic, and I wanted to do the same. There was a cover to issue number 27 of Bizarre Adventures, I remember that one, that came out in the early 80s. I bet Ian remembers this. Ha 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 ha. Oh, you got me. Minx. Uh, the cover was a painted. I've got it in the next room. I have it. Like I know exactly where it is. You can actually see uh, through Iceman. It was so realistic. Inside the magazine, it was just reprinted X Men comics in black and white. But that uh, that full color cover. I don't think it was reprinted comics inside. I think bizarre. Yeah, I think there was three stories. One was Nightcrawler uh, vanished uh, while holding the Vanisher, and they went into a, like another realm. Hmm. There was one where uh, Phoenix uh, was learning to control her powers, and there was at one point where a guy was thinking sexy thoughts about her, and that uh, said, "Like your thoughts are disgusting," and it was like, <laughs> "Oh no, my thoughts would probably be disgusting too as a teenage boy." <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what the third story was. I think it was like an Ice Man story. But I can't really. I think it was pretty pretty basic. Um, but uh, it reprinted X Men comics in black and white. But that full color cover, yeah, I think there were news stories. Uh, to me, uh, that's what uh, they would really look like. Oh, you, you know what I think the Phoenix story was was uh, one where someone was because um, okay, when Phoenix died, she left behind a little uh, snow globe with mm. with her image in it, and if yep. you touched it, yep. you would feel. Uh, Jean's presence. Okay. And it was a little thing that she left behind. And I think someone touches the globe and then remembers her. And then somehow it flashes back to her memories. Eh, confusing. <laughs> anyway. Then a few years later came Alex Ross, who paints the characters as if we're standing right in front of us. I took a stab at it and illustrated a few successful characters. Some not so successful. I designed them as movie posters, too. So you can imagine how thrilled I was and still am that these heroes are now featured just as I imagined them 40 years ago. I've always been a fan of 007, both in print and on screen. If I could be any hero in literature or film, it would be James Bond. This would mean I'd be immortal and never, you know, oh, there's some spoilers coming up. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm just going to take a nice sip of water instead. My wife hasn't seen the latest movie. So that's what I'm doing. Edward, let's play it cool. Um, <laughs> continuing. In answer to your questions about advertising agencies and movies and how accurate they're portrayed... Oh, good. I did ask that. The one I mentioned last week, Nothing in Common, was pretty dead on. I read that the filmmakers studied the Leo Burnett agency in Chicago before filming and based it on the way the agency was run in the 80s. There's even a little hint that Leo Burnett was referenced in the film. The real Leo Burnett always had a large bowl of apples in their lobby, free to all visitors. A tradition going back to when the agency opens its doors during the Depression in 1935. Hmm. In Nothing in Common, they reference this tradition, except it's a huge bowl of grapes. Okay. Very good. Maybe it's sour grapes. Maybe they're letting down a little wine. <laughs> uh, each agency had its heyday and place in entertainment. Mad Men showed the glamorous and sexist way it was in the 60s. 30-something showed how stressful it would be uh, as a career in your 30s. And Crazy People showed how you could hire patients from an asylum to write ads <laughs> based on truth. Remember that one with Dudley Moore? Too bad it's not true. Yeah, I do remember that. I saw that again at the same theater I was talking about earlier. But the film that resonates the most with me is What Women Want, because it was so fucking real and stressed me the hell out. Mel Gibson, working as the creative director, gets undercut and his promotion is given to a woman played by Helen Hunt. She enters by realizing the agency is lacking representation in women's products, so she calls a meeting on the first day. She gives a box 
to each of the directors and inside our variety, uh, our variety on women's products, they need agency representation. Uh, the men seem perplexed and hunt then tells uh, the room that they have until the next morning to write a campaign for each product. This was so close to the truth. It may be a nervous wreck because it's true <laughs> that one scene makes what women want the most accurate movie about advertising I know. <laughs> Obviously, Gibson succeeds and impresses Hunt because he can read women's minds and writes the campaigns with ease because he knows exactly what women want. <laughs> as far as Bewitched goes, it was just really a high-strung Larry Tate who would burst into the Stevens home bugging Darren about it when he'd get new slogans, which I guess was the way it was back in the 60s. Uh, another personal favorite was Richard Jennings in The Shape of Water, who lived across the hall from uh, Eliza. Jennings was an old-school advertising illustrator, and I was very interested in watching what he was painting in his apartment, a role he received an Oscar nomination for. Yeah, yeah. yeah Larry Tate would always just be like, Darren, Darren, what do you got? And, <laughs> and then, you know, basically it seemed like all he had to do was come up with a damn slogan. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, that's not, how hard is that? <laughs> come up with like 10 and just run them by him and go like, which one do you like? That one? Great. He never has to like do anything else besides that. It was like an easy looking job. Also, it's just someone traveled through time, and then, you know, there's a joke about Caesar. And it was like, yeah, that was fine. So Ed was the final... Uh, yes. Final comment today. He's the final comment. But there's emails. You should read the emails now. I will read the emails now. In fact, Edward wrote, wrote an email. Oh, he's just saying, uh, refresh the Sneaky Dragon website. I sent a message. Yes. All right. We've got a email. This is a rare thing. An email from Regis. Ooh. I think he wrote one, one other time. But yes. He says, hey. Oh, sorry. The uh, subject is gifted. Present. <laughs> he says, I hey. get it. He says, hey. Yeah. Gifted brains and neurodiversity, my new obsession. Here's my take on the subject. It's only my two cents, but they are worth a lot more in my humble opinion. <clears throat> Giftedness, that's a measurement of cognitive capabilities and information processing efficiency. It has been invented to evaluate the development of children, their, quote, mental age. Now, now it measures more broadly your capabilities and efficiency uh, to acquire and acquire, process, and use information, cultural and logical. Why? Maybe because we're in a society where information and data processing is a thing. Most of the gifted have no problem. If they have troubles, uh, if they have troubles, um, better search a complementary source. But it can be a complex factor, more on that later. Gifted versus narcissist. Things can look similar and not be the same, but one could eventually be both. Firstly, intelligence, in the gifted sense, is more about possibilities and raw processing power. It has no preconception about morality. Okay. A lot of the worst baddies are very intelligent. Take Hannibal Lecter, for example, or The Killer in Seven. Dave doesn't like that Killer in Seven. No, I, don't, well, I just don't like the movie. It's too moralistic for me. On the quote-unquote good side, say Sherlock, the BBC version, or even more Luther, I want to see Luther. You've made it sound very interesting to me. You, you get mixed results with some collateral damage. And as you mentioned, you've got the real ones, Musk and Jeff Bezos, for instance. Oh, and Putin, of course. Are they intelligent? Yes. Are they using it for the greater good? Um, maybe not. For their own interest? For sure. Are you both narcissists? 
100% nope. Oh, oof. A touch of self-centeredness? Maybe, he says. That's very kind of you to say maybe. Because you could have said, yes. More than the average Joe? Not sure. Are you jerks? No. Could you be jerks sometimes? Maybe like anyone, I suppose. Yeah. Now let's talk about me. Okay. I always had that feedback from others around my rudeness slash jerkiness slash unpoliteness, whatever the right English words are, which I never quite understood or accepted. Neurodiversity, like ADHD or TSA, can explain those behaviors. Is it an, ex- is it an excuse? Yes and no. Because being a jerk is defined by what others feel. And if you do some harm, even by mistake, it's still some harm done. It could be a real burden, very frustrating and depressing, because even when you make a lot of efforts, you still can make mistakes. It takes a lot of energy to try to behave when you don't completely understand social rules and act impulsively. Hence, the imposter syndrome, for example. And little by little, you can end up isolating yourself to simplify your life and lessen those bad feedbacks, which, such as behavior which can be seen as selfish. Um, yeah, I can certainly see what all the points he's making. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone... I don't have ADHD, but I definitely have social cognition problems. Like, I have a hard time reading people. And I need, I would prefer people spell it exactly what they want from me, rather than drop it to me in sort of passive-aggressive hints, which go right over my head. Um, But because I don't have ADHD, I don't tend to act impulsively. So I do kind of lessen the impact of that uh, poor social (laughs) cognition. He goes on to say, from my own experience, it could be a little schizophrenic to have on one hand possibilities because gifted, and on the other hand, a bunch of difficulties because ADHD or TSA or whatever, wire shortcut in my brain resulting in an average which from outside could look normal or normal plus, but from the inside is quite a bloody mess. Or, and that's a terrifying thought, I'm just a selfish, self-delusional, rude egoist piece of French dot dot dot, but who am I to judge? Better take my medication. Sniff, sniff. Whoa, yeah. No, I'm just a poet modi, which I assume means a sad poet, but I may be wrong. You'll have to tell us. Uh, What was your question again? Obsessions? (laughs) Yes, I've done those and still do. Mainly me, tractors and sausages, but also taking a lot of pictures and starting new obsessions. Second question. Firstly, I don't like heroes. That's unfair competition, those jerks. Second, secondly, literary, 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 Rarely speaking, I most admire authors or book. Or sorry, I more admire authors or books than their characters. Then he says, "Sneaky is not selfish." Bye. Yeah. Then he sent a picture of his shirt. I th- it says it's from Sir Marie Therese, Opus Two, uh, which I assume is a uh, bande dessinée in, in France because it's a very bande dessinée drawing uh, of a guy with his shirt, which I will post on the website so people nice. can see it. And let's go to another letter we got. This is from our friend Chris Roberts, who he sent a letter a while ago, and I guess we did not mention on the show, which I feel like a jerk for that. But it uh, says, it says, going daffy with sparks. Okay. And he says, hola, mes amigos. I guess my email last week got lost in transit somewhere between the frenetic basement mailroom of Sneaky Dragon Incorporated and the rarefied environs of the executive penthouse suite where you big shots hang out. <laughs> Must have, must have got lost in one of those pneumatic tubes we use for sending things back and forth. Anyway, I just wanted to share with UK sneakers that Sparks Future Perfect has been available on these shores since early March. What? And also respond to Laurel's request a while back for a photo of our bespoke daffodil, Star James Watson. Yay! Happily, in the time since sending the first email, I've now had a chance to read the new Sparks book, which I devoured eagerly. 
It's beautiful on every level. Oh, thanks. Another gem that's sure to appeal to fans of our heroes' first two adventures Yay. and win over new readers. Can Sparks Mania be far behind? Congratulations to Ian, Nina, and Dave on another wonderful book, which I will now read again, more slowly. Hasta luego, Chris. And I will post Chris's pictures of uh, the Star James Daffodil and with the and also the Star James Daffodil with book. It's very nice. And we had a letter from Jonathan Bampton. Subject, next you'll be asking me about the object. <laughs> is this some sort of M- Michael Foucault binary imprisonment? That is the subject line to this email. Jonathan says in the body of this text, Dear Ian and Dave, mm. You should have heard the argument my friend and I got over into the definition of narcissism last month. <laughs> we really arrived at a very satisfying conclusion. Would you like to hear about it? Sure. Come on. I really think you would both benefit a lot from... Just kidding, smiley face. I couldn't quite work out whether Ian thought the vagueness of the definition would throw the net too wide or too narrow. Too wide, and it would include people, say, like Paul McCartney, who, while justifiably prideful and aware of his immense talent, is not a narcissist. Too narrow, and and not enough narcissists would self-identify. I suppose that's why organizations throw out a number of illustrative traits that are only suggestive of the condition but when combined, give a fairly good indication. Yeah, I thought it went uh, too wide, the net. Mm. It was like, too, too many people would be covered by that. Sure. Yeah. We have many learned listeners of Sneaky Dragon, a professor no less, but I seem to recall from a lecture at uni that the original myth of Narcissus was more to do with the obsession, with, sorry, more to do with obsession than obsession with oneself per se. Sure, he was looking at himself, but, that's just, but that just happened to be the thing that consumed him above all else until he wasted away. I think more of Zuckerberg refreshing his friend request, or me refreshing Sneaky Dragon on iTunes every Sunday, than Trump looking at himself in the mirror drinking a Fanta saying, you got this, sexy. <laughs> I think he, would, he drinks a Diet Coke, doesn't he? Yeah, Diet Coke's kind of his drink. But maybe, you know, that's what he drinks in public and he drinks the Fantas <laughs> on the side. Maybe I, he drinks enough orange Fantas that that's why he's so no, That is the way he's so orange. You gotta, yeah, that's a good theory right there. I think you cracked the mystery there. <laughs> By the way, it was funny to hear Paul tell Mel Evans... Uh, and get back that he'd never seen The Wizard of Oz when said Beetle was at the piano tinkering with the long and winding road. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I mean, you only would have seen it was on television in those days when it played on TV. and it made, Yeah, unless it, made it was it. like a touring show, but very rarely. It's great that a 45-year-old friendship like yours can weather differences of opinion like this. This is in part why I think many of us love to listen to Sneaky Dragon. Old friends still at it. 45. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have us confused with Relic or Paul Rudd. I don't think it's quite 45 years. That would no, be, it's not. Let's not think about it. <laughs> that would have made us 11. Oh, my more. God. <laughs> what are we doing? My hip. My tragical hip. Ian, you are kind and not a narcissist. Uh, okay. But if you are still unsure, God, you Canadians are polite. Why not do what American comedian Dana Gould does? Apologize to anyone he met. Who? Uh, sorry. Apologize to anyone you met in your twenties. I'm so sorry you met me then. Yeah. Plus, oh sorry. P.S. Plus, it's been staring me at the face. Elon Musk and his lookalike Mads Mikkelsen have the coolest actual birth names. Okay. P.P.S. Good to hear from Regis. Hope new medication is going the way you want it to. Have you ever been to French-speaking Canada? Are there any completely ah. reversed meanings of words? Ah. P.P.P.P.S. How are you, Mick? Miss hearing from you. Aww. Well, we heard, did hear from Mick, so we I'm did. glad to hear that. And then finally, everyone, last but not least, our friend Laurel Robertson writes, Yay! From down south of the United States, 
She says, hello, David, and hello, Ian, and hello, sneaker peeps. <laughs> I was so interested listening to this episode, 538. Thank you, Ian, for talking Dave through. <laughs> you got me off the ledge. You are a very good friend. Isn't it strange how we measure success? It's very much more to do with how you live your life. Are you kind? Do you listen to others? Are you a good steward of your property and the earth? Do you love your people with your whole heart? Often, David, I have thought how blessed Lisa and Dave's girls are because you adore them all so completely. You are the biggest fan of each, practically breathless with love whenever you speak of them. No narcissism there. Well, that's true. They are the best. You know what? Actually, I was going to say this. On Monday, mm-hmm. uh, we went out to Chilliwack. I went out for dinner at, a, at Joe's Italian Diner, it was called. That's a nice Italian name. It was great. It was, it was really good. <laughs> and then we went and saw the movie Cyrano After. Do you know that movie? Yeah, the, uh, the one. Yeah. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage uh, written Dinklage. by his wife for him. And it's a musical, which they don't really push. They don't the really trailer. push, but the music is written by Bryson Aaron Dessner of the band The National. Okay. Uh, good friends of Sufjan Stevens. All right. And uh, it was really, really, really good. Oh, nice. Really beautiful. Yeah, we all loved it. Oh, we cool, all loved cool. it. So I, I hardly recommend it. I mean, it's it's just kind of like straggling out of the theaters now. I didn't get much of a chance as a movie, unfortunately. I didn't get much push. But directed by Joe Wright, who who directed um, uh, or Pride and Prejudice, the Keira Knightley version. So put some high in my books there. But uh, yeah, it was a really good film. I highly recommend it. Nice. Good performance for everyone. Haley Bennett is a fantastic singer. Have you seen Music and Lyrics with uh, um, Hugh Grant? Uh, Hugh Grant, yes, I have. And she plays, in that movie, she plays Cora, the, the teen singer that they're trying to write the, oh, the song okay. for. Right, nice. She's a very good singer, and she's fantastic in this film. And, and uh, yeah, it's great. Is that uh, the film that starts with the uh, Wham! Uh, parody? Yes. So yes. good. It is a great film. Music by uh, Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne. Yeah, and, that's, that's, yeah. That's, a, that's fun. Yeah, that it's a great film. If you haven't seen it, everyone, Music and Lyrics. Hugh Grant, yeah. Drew Barrymore. Very good. Yeah, watch the first five minutes. Tell me if you're not going to watch the whole movie. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Mary had seen it, and she just thought it was great, so she wanted us to see it as well. Oh, as that's we nice. And Mary and I are going to see X this weekend, the new uh, Ty West horror movie. Oh. A person can have money and fame and rise up a career ladder, but in the end, that is not necessarily making the world a better place. And definitely, we cannot compare ourselves to other people. A good focus what brings us joy, and how do we share that best? I could go on, but won't. Crystal and others did a great job covering much of this. I'll move on to questions one and two. Question one. Obsession? The Beatles, from the first time I heard their music in 1964, when I was seven, and on. I was keen on the monkeys, too, like Crystal, when they showed up, and the Stones, and many others. I lived in Brazil, and when we moved back to the States in 1969... I could not get enough of the FM rock stations. And comedy of all sorts was right up there in obsessive status when I discovered some great comics in my middle school and teen years. The Smothers Brothers, George Carlin, Flip Wilson. I love Flip Wilson show when I was a kid. I had to sneak down the hall to watch it, though. It was on too late. I was supposed to be in bed, but I would sneak down and stand and peer around the corner at it. What are, what are two of uh, Flip Wilson's catchphrases from that show? I don't remember now. That's, um, One was... One was okay. the devil made me do it. Okay, and the other was uh, uh, I'm a Watusi. Oh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, what you see is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Geraldine. He played Geraldine. Geraldine that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Uh, she goes on to say Marty Feldman, Robert Klein, David Steinberg, etc., who all segued into Monty Python. Yeah, one one of those was my boss on a sitcom. <laughs> Flip Wilson. Yeah, Flip Wilson was my boss. 
He said, what? He said, when am I going to get paid? He said, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Question two. Why did I do this? The devil made you do it. <laughs> Question two. Literary hero? Does Jesus count? I guess. Sure. Also, I've mentioned Canadian writer Louise Penny's series of Three Pine Mysteries before. I just thought she was going to go into the bear. Anyway, <laughs> Louise Penny's series of Three Pine Mysteries before and her lead character, Inspector Armand Gamache, is a wonderful, beautiful, if a bit flawed, as all of us are, hero of mine. Love, Laurel. Aww. Thank you, Laurel. And thank you, everyone else who wrote. Thank you, Regis and Jonathan and Chris for writing emails so that I could read them. And I will put up your images on the website so people can see what you shared with us. And uh, that's and so if you want to see those images, how you can do that is go to sneakydragon.com. That is our website. You'll find this show there. And underneath it will be some things like pictures and stuff that people have sent us. Sometimes we'll have yeah. videos there. And there's always room for you to leave a comment. And we'd love to hear from you there. Mm. If you prefer email, our email address is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We have a website, or not, we don't have a website, sorry, we have a Facebook page, yeah, which is called Sneaky Dragon, and we're on Twitter at SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. And saying this now reminds me that we got a message from someone on, on Facebook last week, and I'll just go to that while I'm finishing up Okay, here. let me throw a question out, by the way. Oh, while I had two questions this week. Oh, well, that's good. We'll have three questions then. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, so one one question, uh, just because Dave was talking about going to Molly's Reach and Gibson's, <laughs> which was on the Beachcombers. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, have you ever gone anywhere in the world uh, because you had seen it in a movie or television show or a book? Mm. Like, or read it in a book and we're like, I want to actually go there. We went to uh, the town Twin Peaks was set in and uh, ate at, uh, you know, the restaurant and saw the waterfalls and everything. And that was a lot of fun. But uh, have you ever gone anywhere? Uh, in real life, uh, because, you know, uh, of a television show, movie, or a book. Okay. Uh, well, my questions were, one is related to last week. All right. My question is, uh, have you ever had a mentor Okay. in your life? Have you ever had a mentor? And this is kind of related to yours, but um, have you ever gone on a trip that did not go the way you wanted? Ah, nice. Have you ever gone on a bad trip? And I don't mean with drugs. Man, say no to drugs. That's Dave as your mentor saying, say no to drugs. <laughs> My favorite mentor is the character mentor from the TV show Shazam, who was a mentor to Billy Batson and would drive around with him in a van and give him advice. <laughs> All right. Uh, mentor. But I just wanted to mention that Nettie Tebow wrote to us on our Facebook page. And she was reacting to me posting a from the last, not this most recent episode. I, I'm a, I tried to do a title card. I got, I kind of got... Uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she wrote about the serious man when she said, yay, title cards. How do you have time to do all this, Dave? Oh, right. You don't sleep. Nice to see your art again. Uh, then she said, we, I guess we talked about Ricky Tiki Tavi on the, sh- on the show. And she said, I loved Ricky. Oh, yeah, you mentioned reading it when you were. Yeah. She said, I loved Ricky Tiki Tavi as a kid, too, along with lots of little random things. It sparked my love of India. I laughed a lot at this week's show and also enjoyed the songs. I give episode 537 five dragons. <laughs> Sorry I haven't written or answered in a while. Just busy with work, but I am listening. Thanks for keeping me entertained. Keep on sneaking. And I wrote back and said, thank you, Nettie. And then I sent her my, what I, how I found out about Ricky Tiki Tavi was through the animated show. And so I posted that on the, on the Facebook page. Oh, cool. And she mentioned that she also the loved Chuck the cartoon. Jones, uh... Is that a Chuck Jones one? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I haven't seen it I since. I so. It's a very Chuck Jones face. 
it, it is, has to be. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, I yeah, just, there's no way that's that. I just face found is it on YouTube Jones. and posted and since put up there. I didn't watch it. I haven't seen it since I was in grade five, probably. Okay, let me take a look. So maybe I, I should rewatch it. Ricky Tabby Chuck Jones <laughs> is what I'm looking up, and it spelled the thing out for me. And let's look at the, the, the yeah, looks like it. And if you want to, uh, one last thing about our uh, contacting is if you'd like to contact us via good old fashioned mail, mm-hmm. the good the postal service. Uh, if you go to our website, you'll find on the far right a little uh, little thing that says contact us, and in there you'll find our our um, postal address, and you're welcome to send us things to there if you want. I'm not saying you yeah, have you to. Uh, so yes, um, uh, there. Yeah, Chuck Jones okay. adapted it uh, for a half hour television special mm. with uh, Orson Welles narrating. Okay, yeah, I really enjoyed that as a kid. That so if you're classic. like, why is the brain uh, narrating this? <laughs> that's that's what that's all about. <laughs> yes, why is he getting upset about bird's eye vegetables? <laughs> all right, everybody. You know we've we have had a we've had a crazy two weeks. Everyone's very concerned about me. I'm sorry that I, I gave a sense that I'm sad or something. I'm not. I'm not at all sad. I'm a, I'm a pretty level person, which is one of the things that was complimented on in our meeting was they said, I really, you're really approachable and you're not a moody person, which they really appreciated the fact that I'm a chipper, upbeat guy. Oh, nice. And I bring that to my job because there's no point being a misery wherever you go. No point at all. Okay. What's the fun of it? None. Well, so people like Eeyore. <laughs> No, they don't. Yeah, they do. They think they do. But if they knew one in real life, no. Okay. No. No one wants that. No one wants that in their life. Oh, a lot of, a lot of slamming Eeyore. That's too bad. <laughs> Fuck Eeyore. Wow. Okay. That's where we're ending with this, this week's show is Fuck Eeyore. Or, if you're in Canada, The Bear. Bear.